and welcome to another episode of Mirpod Taste Buds. And today we are actually back in our separate cities, but we just spent the weekend together over Memorial Day. We rented a house with some friends, literally cooked everything from scratch, didn't order out or, or go out for food whatsoever. And now we're I'm back in Chicago and she's back in St. Louis. So <laughs> we'll be back together again soon, though, soon enough. <laughs> so summer just always has us going a million miles a minute and like traveling all over. So I'm going to head back to St. Louis. We're going to do some camping coming up. And she's actually headed back to Chicagoland for a little bit. So we've got a lot of things to celebrate with our families, yeah. graduations, birthdays, yada, 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 Father's Day, all that good stuff. So it's like magnets. You just keep getting pulled together <laughs> and then pulled apart and then pulled together. Yeah, so true. <laughs> so true. Mm, it was so great when we came home from the weekend to literally go out and get food and not have to cook something and just sit down and order a cocktail and like wait for my food to come to me though. So <laughs> as much as I love to cook, mm, yes, <laughs> it was long away. Yeah, much needed. So what are you sipping on over there? I've got a lovely beer today. Wow. Um, it's from Second Shift Brewing, which is actually a St. Louis kind of brewery that we got going on over here. Yes. So it's called Hibiscus Wit, mm. um, which is a Belgian style wit beer with lots of spices. And the label's really pretty. It's got like a hibiscus flower and it's kind of like that, watercolory. Looking, that almost so. sounds like one I actually might like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not like too beer. Yeah, you know? I like a Belgian. I'm not too I used hobby. to back in the mm-hmm. day. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had one. Let's be real. When you partake. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> what are you sipping on? I'm just drinking some Sauv Blanc. I was like, let's keep it simple. I wasn't even going to drink tonight, but I was like, work is killing me. Yeah, coming back from a long weekend, woof, baby. Ooh. It's a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight's topic, however, is how animals taste. And we actually have an extra special interview with two women who have a serious passion for animals, and they just so happen to be sisters. So. Couldn't get any it, better. Our perfect yeah, guests to have. I know. I'm like, are we going to be just completing each other's sentences like back and forth? Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. The sister vibes are going to be flowing, yeah, baby. They're, they're strong. <laughs> strong indeed. <laughs> and you might be thinking like, why are we talking about how animals taste? And we don't mean like, oh, wow, this tastes like chicken. No. How does a chicken taste its food? Like, what does it taste like to them? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Also, <laughs> very hard to research because every time I would try to Google one of these animals, it'd be like, 100. no, I don't want to see what they taste like. I want to know how they yeah. taste. <laughs> Talk about exactly. their taste buds. <laughs> taste receptors. <laughs> had to be really resourceful in our like search words and keywords. For yeah, sure. <laughs> I had to try it a few times. I was like, Google, you are steering me wrong. <laughs> yes. But we've honestly been wondering this for a very long time now at this point. I'm not really sure why. I guess we're just curious carries over here. (laughs) Um, But we've had a lot of pets over the years and often really wondered, like, what their experiences were like. Totally. And we are not alone. I mean, more than 67% of American households own at least one pet. And annually, Americans spend over $95 billion on their pets. 
And I don't doubt <laughs> No, that. I do not either. <laughs> and the most significant portion of that spending usually is on food and treats, naturally. So totally. I mean, over our lifetime, we've had so many different kinds of pets and animals in our lives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you obviously have your turtle now. Mm-hmm. We've at, you have Duke, which is a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had many cats over our yes. years, barn cats, <laughs> house cats. We had it all. Yeah. Uh, several dogs in our lifetime. I even had a guinea pig for a short stint and did not like it. <laughs> um, I also had several mice. You had. Yes. I had a snake at a point. So horses, fish, frogs, birds. Mm-hmm. We've had it all, a lot. Definitely. <laughs> no shortage. So for humans, we have five basic tastes, which are the sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami, which I think we talked about on a podcast before. And that's kind of what I think first started Mm -hmm. spurring this too. We're like, well, what is that like for this animal or that animal? And we're very like animal focused people in general. Like half of our Instagram feed is pretty much animal things that we send (laughs) back and forth to each other, it seems like. So it's only natural that this is where this podcast would lead. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And what's crazy is that humans have about eight to 10,000 taste buds on their tongue, which just seems like so many and yet also not enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we, we had to know like how this relates to animals. So let's get cooking. Yeah, let's get cooking. All right. So all animals, including humans, need to eat to survive. Simple and plain. So sweet <laughs> typically ensures that you intake carbohydrates for energy Sour prevents you from intaking toxic substances and uh, and helps detect like ripeness sometimes as well. Salty regulates the amount of water in the body. Bitter prevents the intake of poisons. And then there's umami, which kind of ensures the intake of proteins for growth and proper maintenance within the human body. So they all serve a purpose. Yeah. It's so interesting that they all serve like a function because I don't know. I would just think that it's like for pleasure. But <laughs> yeah. No. no. <laughs> these are these are real reasons. <laughs> I think you also forget that like humans are animals. But there are obviously a lot of differences between humans and animals, as we well know. Humans average about 10,000 taste buds, as I had mentioned, that usually only last about 10 to 14 days before being fully replaced. And essentially, they kind of just die off and regenerate. It's pretty wild. All types. Yeah, I still can't get over that. I mean, it makes sense, though, because like my tastes have certainly changed as I've gotten older. I used to be like a very picky eater, I feel like, when I was young. And I pretty much like if we went out, I was only eating cheeseburgers and like, I don't know, there's just certain (laughs) things that I would never, (laughs) never in my wildest dreams think that I would be eating today. And now I I would say that I'm like fairly adventurous of an eater, you know, like I want to try everything and I'm surprised every time that like, oh, I actually do like mushrooms, you know, or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I used to like eat a ton of sweets, I feel like too, and went back in the day and now I like barely ever eat them. But all types of things can affect your sense of taste. It can range from illnesses to nutrition deficiencies or even just straight up getting older. Yeah, it's kind of freaky. As we get older, usually around the age of 60, things just start to decline and diminish in number and function. So your taste buds, I know it really freaks me out quite honestly, (laughs) but it's like if these people like chefs and stuff can do it, it's going to be okay. You know, like it's happening to everybody. Yeah, I think it's not going to like fully go away, yeah. you know. Hopefully you not. COVID and you're one of those people maybe. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they can't taste anymore. But yeah, but 
there will still be good taste in your future. Don't worry. Yeah. Your aging taste buds typically do just decrease in size and sensitivity. So that usually kind of impacts the ability to taste flavor as potently as you did before. So sometimes you'll tend to like over salt or over season things because you won't be able to sense it. So I think it's kind of just being Dangerous. aware of those things. Yeah. That's why a lot of people have issues with like high blood pressure and things like that or like sodium levels because they don't realize that they're overdoing it. But similar to like illness and infection as being a cause, like the natural reduction of sense of smell also contributes to a decrease in taste. So it's like obviously the olfactory senses go hand in hand with how we taste as humans. So things just are the same. I mean, on top of that, too, many aging people also take one or more medications, which, of course, can also also alter the perception of taste. Uh, you know, I feel like that's a very common thing is like all these side effects of medications. And there there's so many ripple effects that you don't foresee. But yeah. Sad that taste could be one of them. I know. I honestly am trying to pay more attention whenever I take medications to things like that because there's such like subtle nuances that you may not even pick up on. But I don't want it to affect that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a reason not to take an important medication. Oh, but it's a factor. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though, because supposedly one in four people is a super taster, which they have more the like tiny structures on their tongue that contain the taste buds, and they're more sensitive to taste, which one in four is a pretty good number. But all those sommeliers yeah. now, I'm like, okay, you must be a super taster. They're all yeah. super tasters, for sure. <laughs> that was like the first thing that came to my mind was like, well, that's yes. them. Do you think you're a super no. taster? No, I don't. <laughs> I definitely am not. I could never like parse out like, oh, this is like a distinct apricot note from this. Yeah, blah, blah, no. blah. Like, no, that is not in my good. I'd like to be. I'd like to train myself to think I am, but no. Our individual preferences for taste are often cultural, as one would imagine. And they're just part of our genetic or they could also just be part of our genetic makeup. But some tastes are predetermined and also quite universally human. It's pretty wild. Humans are also primarily mm -hmm. omnivores, obviously. We eat both plants and animals for most people. And it's actually a pretty good thing that we are. And why, you might ask? <laughs> it's because, fact, carnivores or animals who eat only meat as part of a normal diet typically have fewer taste buds than omnivores. Poor things. Yep. <laughs> like lions, for example, they only have about 470 taste buds on their tongues, <laughs> while, like we said, humans have like 10,000. Yeah. So because we can eat fruits and vegetables and grains in addition to meat, we have all those different taste buds to accommodate that. But that's such a drastic yeah. difference, like 400 to 10,000. Yeah. What? That's crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like. <laughs> yeah, it seems so limiting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy because cats can't taste sweet things. It's an ev evolutionary trait that all members of the cat family have lost. So just not a thing. <laughs> just no sweets for you, which like makes sense because I've never seen a cat eat sweets, fed a cat sweets, heard that anything is good for a cat, you know, like, I don't know, like none of that seems to make any sense. But I think the sweetest thing I've ever bizarre. given Duke was like yogurt. And even that, it's like kind of a sour. Yeah, it was. Too. I think it it's might have. I don't even know really if it was flavored. Now that I think about it, it was probably plain. Um. But strangely, some species of monkey can't taste artificial sweeteners, but do taste like natural flavors. So, yeah, and that's sugars. mind boggling. Mm -hmm. Just not built to taste it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. We probably shouldn't be eating the artificial no. stuff anyway. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> uh, most carnivores can detect bitter flavors, which 
helps them avoid rancid meat, but some, including big cats and water mammals such as dolphins, can't taste sweet flavors. They lack the proper taste buds. So bitters there, but no sweet. Yeah, and meat obviously isn't very sweet. I think we could all agree on that. (laughs) (laughs) So those taste buds don't help carnivores to survive and therefore are kind of unnecessary for them. When your meals consist of pretty much just one kind of item, meat, you really don't need to have as much, you know, diversity or variety in your taste buds. Sorry, I just had to kick Duke off my freaking podcasting equipment because he's clawing it up. I was like, who is that? Is that a little Duke? Oh, Luke? yes, it is. He's <laughs> ruining my stuff. What a sweet babe he is. <laughs> he knows that this podcast's about him. He just wanted to have a, have a yeah, say. He's like, I'll sh- <laughs> be like, sweets aren't worth it. Meat's where it's at. He's like, I'll show you sweet bitch. <laughs> That's what I thought he was saying, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> He's definitely a sass. It's interesting, though. So (laughs) pigs, for example, sport around 15,000 taste buds. So they taste even more than we do. And the ability to taste sweet helps draw omnivores to carbohydrates, like we said, such as fruit. So which carnivores obviously never really eat. So voila. How crazy that pigs have more taste buds than us, because I feel (laughs) like you think of pigs and you just think of like slop, you know, like literally just like gross remains yeah. of whatever. You feed them anything. <laughs> you feed them the trash, literally. And they're like, oh, mm, what a delicacy. Oh, these lovely notes today. Yeah, that is really funny. Well, it's also interesting because they have pretty good senses of smell. So I guess that kind of makes sense because like you think yeah. like truffle pigs, it's like, okay. Totally. I, get, I, get I still don't understand how you use pigs to tr- hunt for truffles. So that might need to be a whole episode because did you, how do they not just eat it? Did you watch the Nicolas Cage movie? pig no i haven't <laughs> was it good? i don't know <laughs> wait you said it was weird it was weird it was bizarre <laughs> yeah maybe we do need to do an episode on that but many birds are omnivorous as well um uh, they are kind of an exception to the rule though of having more taste buds than carnivores um because they actually have some of the lowest numbers of taste buds in the animal kingdom which i don't know why but that makes sense to me because i'm like you don't have teeth you don't have your tongue's so tiny (laughs) but i don't know (laughs) chickens for example typically have fewer than 50 taste buds and parrots can have a few hundred to several thousand like 50 taste buds no wonder chickens are pecking at the ground (laughs) (laughs) they're just eating dirt literally (laughs) after watching the chickens on the farm too i'm like okay i, I could see it but we fed yeah, them worms they the and they go nuts for worms so hmm. i don't know if it's the texture i mean that's like kind of their main food source and like maybe right? just because it's exciting because they're like wriggling and moving and they just like to they just like thing. to fight over them i think too they literally like will tackle each other and like push each other around like juke around each other trying to like grab each other's worms yeah so <laughs> oh god yeah. Intense. Kind of fun, yeah. I guess. You all- <laughs> I mean, it's probably better for them than like just the grain oh, feed totally. stuff anyway. I, right? so- like, I thought so. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't do my research on that one. I was just like, here, let's do this. <laughs> um, you also feed chicks um, hard-boiled eggs like mashed up, which is strange to me because it's like, that seems wrong. That's weird. Yeah. That's slight cannibalism. Yeah. But I have heard that before, They actually, really like it. you say that. And like- 
Honestly, in the bird community, it's really not like unusual for birds to eat other oh, bird yeah. eggs and stuff like that. 100%. You know, and like steal from other nests. So I can see how that would, I guess, make sense. Hard boiled, though. I don't know if that's yeah. well, <laughs> normal for them. <laughs> when he first told me that's what he was going to feed them, I like didn't process that they were hard boiled at first and like mashed up. I was like, what? You're going to give them like raw eggs? I was so confused. So <laughs> I actually had to just like Google if like that's a thing you do and and, it, and apparently it is. So it's, it's not insane, but it doesn't really make fully sense mm. to me. But I mean, birds also will just like eat each other because after the hawk got into the hen house and there was like a corpse there, they were literally picking at their brother. And I was like, you guys are oh, evil. God. Yeah, they're dark yeah. for sure. Yeah. Chickens are kind of gross in my they opinion, are. but <laughs> I mean, circle of life, whatever. Yeah. It's all got to happen. Totally. Blah, blah, totally. blah. <laughs> Another omnivore, bears, have retained their sweetness receptors, which allows them to enjoy honey, berries, and things of the like because they have a more flexible diet. Uh, Supposedly, we've heard that they feed polar bears marshmallows at like one of the the zoo. zoo. And I was like, I don't, I guess because they still have that sweetness there. They're. Yeah, there used to be an old like story. I don't know if this story is actually r- real, but I've told this story like to many people, so I really hope it's true. <laughs> but um, I always heard that there used to be like a marshmallow cart across from a polar bear exibit in some Wasn't zoo. This- I thought I it was Brookfield. Brookfield. It may be. It may have been somewhere else. I don't know that for certain. Um, and like people would buy the marshmallows and like feet like throw them to the bears and stuff and one day like some bears like tried to get out and get to the cart or something <laughs> i think was was part of the story but you might have to fact check me on that one but uh yeah i'm pretty sure they're big fans of the sweets <laughs> we'll have to ask some some zoologists on this <laughs> now when you turn your head over to the herbivores over there and those are our animals that eat only <laughs> plants in case you didn't know what an herbivore was <laughs> i mean if you like who doesn't it's know what in that means the have name jurassic park <laughs> also true hey, well you know i'm just trying to keep it in layman's terms they often have more taste buds than other land animals but herbivores need salt to keep proper electrolyte balances and they don't get salt from meat like omnivores and carnivores so the extra taste buds help them find salty substances to help supplement their diets typically Pretty cool. And we can't talk about herbivores without (laughs) talking about the best herbivore of all, cows. (laughs) Cows are the best. And for example, they have about 25,000 taste buds, which is crazy. And like many herbivores, cows don't take a close look at their food. They kind of just munch (laughs) on anything that's in their way. And good old grazers, got to love them. The extra taste buds help herbivores quickly distinguish those bitter tastes from dangerous plants that might be growing amongst safe vegetation. And the sweet taste buds give them a guide to uh, like safer eating areas, typically. Makes sense. And we used to have horses when we were growing up for a brief period when I was like in high school or something. I'm not even sure. And horses actually have... Taste, re- taste receptors that are similar to kind of our taste buds where they can distinguish between various flavors and it's interesting because their receptors are mostly located on the roof of the mouth and the rear portion of the tongue so they can like lick a salt lick without like being like totally overwhelmed by the saltiness <laughs> exactly because yeah. most of their receptors are not like put in that area of their tongue which is interesting yeah yeah definitely crazy to think about how 
anatomy changes from animal to animal, yeah. you know, and it might ne- not necessarily always be on the tongue like we imagine it to totally. be, you know. Um, but horses appear to prefer tasting sweet and salty flavors. That's why you can use like molasses or applesauce to mask a lot of oral medications for them or why sugar cubes are also like a popular horse treat. And horses especially need those salt blocks because high temperatures in the summer months because they can lose a lot of minerals through sweating and they have to replace that somehow. So salt blocks are a really good source of that. Yeah. And horses really need salt year round to maintain that proper chemical balance. So even in the winter times, um, it's important for them to still have salt added to their diet to avoid uh, the risk of dehydration because a lot of them like stop drinking as much water. um, So the salt will make them thirsty and encourage the drinking. It's really funny to think about in the winter getting dehydrated because of like just not drinking as much water. I can totally see it. I mean, I drink less water because it's not as hot out and I don't want water as much. I'm not crazy. Exactly. Yeah. But I also Mm -hmm. totally put more hot hot sauce on my food sometimes because I want to intentionally drink more water. If I'm like behind on my water quota for the day, I'll just like squirt extra sriracha on my lunch (laughs) and be like, well, I'm going to drink this whole bottle and probably then some now. So, I mean, that's an effective way to do it. It is. <laughs> I probably should be doing that. Oh, more. absolutely. <laughs> it's a good tactic. I recommend it. <laughs> it's interesting because the horse's tongue is also kind of different than other animals. So, their tongue is super mobile and they have these incisors and lips that like grasp, feed, and move it into their mouth. So, the tip of the tongue is very sensitive and allows the horse to choose what it wants in its mouth since it can't like see right in front of its nose. And whenever you've ever fed like a horse a carrot or like something like that, I feel like you've you've seen and experienced what a horse tongue is like, and they're freaky. So weird, yeah, so, so weird. weird. Their whole like snout is just so weird. The way their lips move and everything, it's like not in unison. <laughs> uh. But yeah, the equine tongue has 12 different muscles in it and is like mucus covered and slippery on the bottom and sides, which helps allow food particles to like slide along without getting stuck where the tongue presses against the teeth. So yeah, it's very (laughs) scientific and necessary. Yeah, wild. (laughs) My least favorite thing to talk about is insects potentially, but of course we have to mention (laughs) how they taste a little bit. And they actually have chemoreceptors, which are like tiny membranes that send electrical impulses through their nervous system. So some of those receptors are usually on the insect's legs, such as like butterflies and flies, like houseflies. And then honeybees actually have those taste receptors on their antennae. So if you've ever seen them kind of like moving around, they're moving their antenna over stuff. I'm like, I've definitely seen a bee kind of like looking around like that. He's actually like tasting, which is wild to think about. Yeah, the antenna and legs are so uh, like multi-purpose. I feel like you know it's it's crazy. But another thing we got to talk about is the reptile community, such as snakes and lizards, who use their tongues to detect, taste, and smell chemicals by transporting molecules to a pit in the roof of their mouth called a Jacobson's organ. Who knew that that had like a name? Yeah, I'm confused why it's named that. I meant to look that up because I was like, why? <laughs> Who is Jacobson? Yeah, tell me more about this Jacobson character. <laughs> <laughs> so random. Uh, but that is part of their olfactory system of amphibians, reptiles, and mammals. And it's a patch of sensory cells within the main nasal chamber that detects heavy moisture-borne odor particles. Theirs is much more like smell-oriented, I feel like, than a lot of other animals have. Yeah, when I used to ever like dangle a mouse into my snake's cage, you would like 
always immediately start flicking his tongue out like faster and faster and kind of just start like looking around. Yeah. So smell in yeah, the air. Smell in the air <laughs> as I chum the, the aquarium waters. But I have a turtle, so I was of course very curious like how he tastes. I'm I'm still not entirely sure and I still need to do more research on this because some turtle species have taste buds that give them them the ability to taste their food as they eat it. But others lack the that taste buds like all together. And I think he might fall more into that latter category. But sea turtles are among the ones with taste buds. So when I was doing my research, I was trying to figure out if he was in this category or that one. And it took me to a lot of weird blogs with a lot of weird turtle owners yeah. talking about weird turtle yeah. stuff. So still not 100%. Yep, I went down some of those same blogs and I was like, okay, I don't think I'm no, finding anything not helpful here. information. There was one person back. that was talking about how their turtle bit their toe and then they're talking about how their feet don't smell and people were like, your feet sound gross. And it was like, this is not at all helpful. About no, turtles. <laughs> we've lost the thread, guys. Yeah. Oh, boy. But honestly, like very little seems to be known about how turtles can taste. Like most researchers believe that you know, those sea turtles have like an acute sense of smell in the water that helps them to be able to taste. And some experiments show that uh, hatchlings react to the scent of shrimp. Oh. And I feel like Flapjack oh, does yeah. maybe react to like those stanky he shrimps that we put in the definitely can tank. smell. I know he can smell. And I think <laughs> that might be primarily what he is experiencing because those shrimp smell like death. They smell horrible. They are dried yeah. and they're funky AF. But he loves them. He goes nuts for them. If you feed him the, the shrimp before you feed him the pellets, he will only eat the shrimp pretty he won't much. Eat it. Like, very dedicated. So I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that strong sense of smell definitely is something that helps, like, sea turtles or aquatic animals like that to locate food in murky water. Yeah, so. when the visibility is low, they've got another sense to rely on, which makes sense. But mm -hmm. sea turtles actually open their mouths slightly and draw water through the nose and then immediately empty the water out through the mouth. And they also do these like pulsating movements of the throat that are thought to be associated with smelling, which I've also noticed Flapjack sometimes doing something like that. So even like out of the water, sometimes he'll kind of be doing something like that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Maybe he's smelling, sniffing about. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to, Taking a big old deep yeah, breath. Yeah, I'm going to start paying more attention <laughs> to when he's doing it. And like, are we cooking? Is there something in the air he likes? I don't know. <laughs> Interestingly enough, sea turtles have a sixth sense that acts as like an internal compass, which hatchlings use to orient to the Earth's magnetic field after they swim through this like surf zone. Whoa. So adults may use like, magnetic information in order to navigate speaking of magnets because so cool. you said that in the beginning we're like magnets pulling and going and oh us. my god we're turtles <laughs> uh, i was just thinking about the other things that flapjack likes so but he's obsessed with strawberries and tomatoes which strawberries i could see the sense of smell maybe for those but tomatoes don't really have much of a smell so i haven't figured out why he likes them so much but I don't know. Tomatoes kind of have a smell. Think? I guess. I guess. I don't know how strong saying. his sense of smell is. I'm curious. Maybe it's just a texture thing think, with the tomatoes. I think stuff. the color also, like the brighter colors, draw Draws him in. Because, like, I'll sometimes do greens because greens are supposed to be what's good for him. Of course, you're not supposed to give him a ton of like sweets or like more, um, like sugary fruit kind of things. So, uh, 
uh, he won't really go for a lot of the greens. He's not like um, amused. Um, he will eat them. Um, yeah. Takes him a little while to kind of warm up to them <clears> sometimes <throat> when they're in there. But yeah, if you drop a tomato in there, he loves chasing a tomato around, just like biting, chomping down on it and like squirting the seeds out of his mouth and then just like shredding it. So <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little bit more fun and exciting. Just like any animal or person, we like a, a new food more than what we're used to, you yeah. know, break up the monotony. And to make a yeah, mess. Yeah, and to make a mess, correct. To make a mess. Correct. Yeah, when you clean that tank out, oh my God, the filter was like 90% <laughs> freaking tomato skins because that doesn't get broken down. I don't know if he poops them back out and they don't get broken down either, but it was a mess. <laughs> I was like, we're going to feed you. Well, I mean, and you also, you also feed him like a ton of like minnows and goldfish yeah. and stuff like that. And like, he always seems to leave the goldfish for a while. I don't know if it's just because he likes I think he- the hunt and likes to befriend them first <laughs> or if it is a taste thing at all. No, but, I've you determined, know. I've said, I now say that he likes minnows <laughs> more because he will go like nuts for them. He'll eat all of them, but he will always leave like one goldfish. And now I have three that are just growing and growing and I'm stuck with them. But yeah. he also really likes snails. He likes crawdads. So yeah, anything with the thrill of the hunt though, he's definitely interested in. Except yeah. I dropped a worm in there and he did not like the worm. He did not go for the worm and I had to pull the worm <laughs> out of there. It was like drowning and it was so sad. Yeah. Gross. And I- was it alive? Yeah, it was alive. I thought he was going to eat it. Oh. I thought he was just going to like jump onto it and it'd be gone. I didn't think he was going to sink to the bottom. I have to scoop him out with my freaking net. <laughs> That's sad. It was. I couldn't watch him <laughs> squirming at the bottom of, of the tank for air. It was too much for me. I'm not meant for this world. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of torture. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but this is the one that I really wanted to know answers to is fish because – Aquatic animals in general, like, I don't really understand how they could be able to taste anything, but, like, fish especially just, like, makes no sense to me, right? (laughs) But fish actually tend to have more taste buds than land animals do, and the taste buds aren't confined to just their mouths. Many fish have taste buds all over their skin, which then helps them to detect taste through the water and determine which direction the taste is located, which is so cool. It is really cool. Even like external taste buds, kind of disturbing. I don't know if I'd like it. I'd probably touch a lot of gross tasting things. But. I don't know. I think that'd be cool. Maybe it would be gross. Kind of like taste the air sometimes could be cool. When it's a good taste though. It's like only when it's a good taste would it be nice. But like, I don't know if I'm in the bathroom. I don't want to be touch rubbing against something and get a gross taste. Yeah, that's gross. That's scary. <laughs> Porta potties would be a big no-no. <laughs> big no-no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Catfish, who often swim and hunt in really murky water where their sight is like zero to nothing, have actually the most known taste buds of any animal topping out at 175,000, which insane. insane. I don't even understand how, A, we know that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> me either. B, <laughs> B, I think that it's so interesting that it's always kind of like these like bottom feeder creatures that seem to have the most like catfish pigs cows all these things that you wouldn't think are like tasting good things you know are somehow the highest on the list and are able maybe and that's maybe why we just are like not quite understanding what it tastes like to them like no this pond water is actually 
the the greatest it could be, you know, <laughs> like there the, you can taste all those individual notes. I can taste this spring water with the, you know, the runoff from the mountains and the dirt from the whatever. And all these things are like combining into this ultimate mixture. And we just have like no concept. It also makes me realize just like how unsophisticated we are as humans and like how much we don't yeah. even realize that we're not tasting. Yeah, we think we're like yeah. such connoisseurs. <laughs> yeah, the and terror. Like, <laughs> <laughs> actually the, the greatness of the greatness like no no give me the catfish over here it's gonna show you up <laughs> that's the ultimate sommelier. yeah he'll tell you what you're really tasting <laughs> it's from the northern region of the basque and <laughs> yeah. uh, i want to make a comic of a catfish that's a sommelier that is actually <laughs> a must needed thing <laughs> uh, yes what about other aquatic animals? Because now we've, we've opened, opened the floodgates, Truth. right? So <laughs> dolphins and whales and other aquatic mammals don't really have the ability to taste sweet, bitter, or umami tastes. Whales and dolphins tend to swallow their prey whole. So there's kind of not really a need to have much <laughs> taste going in right there, right? It's like you're just not most of your taste is actually being like released by the sense of chewing. So yeah. by removing that process, the taste receptors aren't as needed automatically. That was the other thing those turtle blogs were saying that was sort of like made sense is that because watching him eat, he will eat something whole. So I'm assuming mm. that's probably also why he probably has less need for the taste receptors and like smell or something would play a bigger role because he needs to know if it's, if it's safe before he already is in, inhaling it. A high concentration of sodium in the ocean water also is thought to maybe mask other tastes, which also makes it less important for them to have more taste buds, which also seems to make sense to me. And it could go back to kind of, you know, evolution and be due to the fact that with early land-dwelling ancestors of cetaceans, cetaceans? I don't know how you say it, cetaceans, <laughs> which is like the group that includes whales and dolphins, um, but Small furry land animals had been plant eaters before becoming fully aquatic, and they may have then lost some kinds of taste for the same reason that a lot of carnivores did. It just wasn't mm -hmm. evolutionary beneficial. Don't them. need it. <laughs> <laughs> so a dietary switch from plants to meat in the whale ancestor may account for the major loss of sweet and bitter tastes because meat contains little sweet and bitter compounds. So it's crazy to think about it, but it shows that like limiting your palate literally makes you less evolved when it comes to having as many taste re receptors. So if you really want to be able to taste more and experience more, you really have to be more diverse with your palate. That's just all it like made me realize. Yeah. I was like, wow, <laughs> need to keep trying those things and trying different things and experiencing them and, and trying them over and over again to kind of keep letting your palate kind of evolve and stay receptive to those. Absolutely. Some scientists hypothesize that whales and dolphins are influenced by other factors that reward them maybe for feeding, for feeding habits. So it's possible that post-oral stimulation of feeding or like positive, the positive feeling that they get from nutrients while they're being digested drives them to keep hunting, which is a really interesting concept to me. It's like, I don't know, incentivizing something. I feel like I have that. <laughs> The feeling after eating and like my body be using up the nutrients, yeah, yeah, nourished, feeling nourished, satiated. And oh, love that feeling. Yeah, can't can't stop eating. <laughs> Makes you want to do yeah. it again. <laughs> that's bring that's it why on. I eat every two hours, baby. Another possibility could be that they have other taste genes that we don't even know about 
scientifically yet. So there's just not enough yeah. research done on this kind of stuff, which is still crazy to think about. Um, I mean, who? Why yeah. would they? Who no. cares? About no one's paying them. How all these different animals can taste other than yeah, us? Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> wanting to know. There's just so much we don't know about the world. That's the best part. Oh yeah, humans are dumb, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll we'll just never know. That's the craziest part. If I could get. Like, I would love to just die and be able to ask, like, a million random that questions. That's what heaven was. It's like you ask every question and yeah. it all gets answered. It's all these dumb questions, like stoner questions, essentially. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but canines, dogs, which are mostly Thanks carnivorous, have about... I just wanted to let you know that no, that's we're, we're breaking down in about. layman's terms. We're not talking about the teeth, all right? I was talking about dogs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> word, word. So, yeah, dogs. <laughs> they have about 1,700 taste buds. Crazy. Which is pretty that's low, low, but on the higher end. Yeah. More than lions and cats, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. A dog can detect many of the same tastes as humans, but they experience them on a diffuse scale. So, I mean, they'll put dogs put anything in their mouth. So there's that. <laughs> so with fewer taste buds, dogs don't really taste the same depth of flavor that we do. Supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> exactly. We, we don't know anything. <laughs> it does make sense from like an evolutionary standpoint though as well, since competition might have prevented dogs from having the time to savor anything for too long, yeah. you know, like another dog or predator might snatch that away pretty quickly. So dogs often like hoover their food. I think we've all seen dogs just like go straight for <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they've literally devised holes um, that slow dogs down so they don't eat as fast yeah. as it's funny. <laughs> it's alarming sometimes. It's always so funny to watch them eat. Yeah. It's like why you can't just like leave out a big bowl for a dog for like a day or two or something because it's like, no, they'll, they'll eat. Yeah. But it. a cat, like you can just pile it on. They'll be like, I'll come back for this later. So it's also kind of fascinating because dogs actually have different ways that they kind of taste water. So if you've ever seen a dog, they like really will like chug and it'll look like it's like the best thing we've ever tasted. And some people mm. or researchers think that that is because they have special taste buds that allow them to taste the minute notes and profiles of like water sources. So I also read something that said that when they're thirsty, water will taste like especially good to them so that they get hydrated faster. Mm. So this taste sense is found. I feel like that's even true for me. Like, man, sometimes <laughs> I'm so dehydrated. I'm like, wow, this is the tastiest water I've ever had. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Whenever I am dehydrated in my sleep, like I drank the night before, I will dream yeah. about water and it tastes like the best water I've ever had in my life. And I will wake up so fucking thirsty that I will like have to get out of bed and go <laughs> get some ice water like stat. So it's this probably so real. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Good old hangovers. It's like, you're going to yes. die. <laughs> Drink this water. I can save you with this water. <laughs> Trick her brain, quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send her the, the dreams and the nightmares, <laughs> quick. <laughs> exactly. But this taste sense in dogs is actually supposedly found in the tip of the dog's tongue. And that's kind of the part of the tongue that curls to lap the water up. So... They may be able to determine the terror or the drink drinkability or whatever of the soil content of that, wherever that water came from, which is pretty, pretty nifty. Fancy. Yeah. Like, what is this, tap? 
(laughs) (laughs) But do you think that dogs can taste spicy things? Spiciness technically isn't really like a taste. It's a reaction that we have to capsaicin. Yeah, capsaicin. Capsaicin. Um, So while dogs don't taste like spiciness, they can still be affected by the heat that comes from spicy foods. Yeah, be careful. (laughs) Although, (laughs) don't feed them a habanero, you psychos. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be weird. weird. (laughs) Although a dog's ability to taste is only a fraction of our ability, their sense of smell plays a huge role in their experience of flavor of their food. So their sense of smell is literally a million times stronger than ours. They are like 125 million sensory glands in your dog's nose versus ours that only has five to 10 million glands, which is nuts. Insane. Insane. Again, like you said, (laughs) with the smelling through your skin or tasting through your skin. Yeah. Maybe like I don't want to smell that well because that would be a lot. Yeah, I don't. But I guess maybe it doesn't smell as bad when you have more receptors. Like receptors. Because you can pick out different smells. Because like to them – Poop smell obviously must smell great because they're freaking eating it all the time. Yeah. Dogs used to eat like horse poop like it was nobody's business. Yeah. So maybe like that is a good scent when you got the right receptors. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> and it would be cool to be able to I smell things from like different distances and be able to be like that's five feet away, yeah. that's ten feet away. You know, yeah. Evolutionarily, yeah, to be able to like helpful smell your family coming or something. You know, like that's a, a weird you'd concept. Be, like asleep and be like, oh, we're almost home, and you'd open your eyes and be like, yeah, I was right. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) But I think it's no surprise that with our massive infatuation with animals and pets that the pet food industry is therefore huge. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. pet food market reached a value of around $30 billion in 2020. And I mean, I almost feel like that's not even high enough. Like, I feel like we spend straight though, which is so crazy. That's just the food market. And like, they are already predicting it's an anticipated to grow another like 5% in the next five years, which is crazy that it's just like still booming. But yeah, 61% of U.S. pet owners will pay more for foods to target a pet's dietary needs. Not surprising. I mean, I mm-hmm. have started buying senior food for Duke now that he's an older cat. And like I switched to more natural brands a while ago because I was like, I want him to live as long as possible. Of course, like every pet owner. Yeah. Yeah. When I was reading that like dogs are pretty similar to humans in terms of like, you know, your taste buds start to diminish as you get yeah. older, right? Aww. So like Things that they once enjoyed eating, they may no longer enjoy, you know, later in life. So you kind of need to keep changing and evolving their diet because it'll keep it interesting for them. And it'll, you know, it might be better for what their taste buds are doing. And also a lot of times because their taste buds are diminishing, they're not eating as much because, you know, they're, they're not like taking interest in their food. So that's a big risk with like aging dogs is that you have to kind of make sure that varying, um, getting the, yeah, Mm. get varying, getting the enough nutrients and makes sense. 21% of pet owners spent more money on pets during the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, which is, not surprising. Mm-hmm. We spent so much more time at home with our pets. So to spend more money on them only seems natural. <laughs> yeah, th- this was their heyday. They were living mm-hmm. it up. <laughs> but cat and dog owners spend about $300 a year on pet food and treats. And 73% of Gen Zers and 68% of millennials are willing to spend more on sustainable pet products, which 
again, does not surprise me. I feel like we're in such a swing of give me sustainable, all natural, yep. you know, and like, thank God it's about dang time. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty scary to see like what it was in those original <laughs> formulas that we were feeding to our pets. Totally. But um, yeah, it's really great to see that. Upswing. Yeah. 43% of dog owners and 41% of cat owners buy premium pet food also for their pets, which ties clearly into those things as well. So super common. Only the best. Exactly. Baby. Only the best for you. <laughs> and that is going to be the perfect segue into our next conversation with the wonderful Becca and Rachel Zay. Today we have two very special guests with us that we're really excited to talk to, and we're going to let them introduce themselves now. Hello, my name is Rachel Zach. Um, I am a longtime friend of the Joneses, decade mm-hmm. plus. Yes. We have had a lot of great times together, and to be honest, I've slept on Emily's couch probably <laughs> over a hundred times uh, because she has lived with the other person on this podcast. Um, I'm yes. from the suburbs of Chicago, live in the city now. Uh, I take care of animals at uh, an aquarium, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, longtime dog lover as well, yes. uh, and that's pretty much what defines me. I stay at home with my dog most of the time these days. Very serious dog lover, for sure. <laughs> but not quite as much as my sister. I'm Rebecca Zek. I'm uh, Rachel's sister, dog mom. And um, that's about it. Well, we're going to dive right into the questions and get down to business here. So we know you guys have an interesting relationship with food and your animals, but we're going to talk about your relationship with food to start. So what is your favorite thing to cook? I'm going to start. We sound very similar, so I'm just going to say this is Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I think that's a heavy question because my favorite thing to cook is to like look up new recipes, try something new, especially hanging out with Rachel, the whole experience of cooking. However, my go-to thing to cook is a casserole. Ooh. I think definitely like one of our favorite things to do together is just cook. Like when Becca got married, she got the pasta attachment to the KitchenAid. Uh. And so we spent quite a few nights just like learning to cook pasta together. Uh, and that's, again, something that we didn't have any experience with, something that nobody taught us. But we just really enjoy the act of being in the kitchen together and spending that time together is like a good way for us to. What are I we going to do tonight? We're just going to cook. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. It's like an adventurous thing to do versus yeah. like... And like it doesn't always yeah. end up great, but yeah. but yeah. by Boy, that point we're wine drunk and it's Yeah, <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Yeah. When we were younger, we would cook with our uncle and it would be like an all-day activity. So I feel like we typically pick, when we're cooking together, we pick recipes that take a couple hours so that yeah. it's like an actual activity. It's not just cooking to eat. It's like a fun activity. That's smart. We need to cook more longer things. I feel like I'm always like looking for like short hacks and it's like, no, sometimes the long meal is the fun thing. I think that's, <laughs> that's fair. Like the long meal really means like different things. So like we cook, we make a lot of pasta with our Uncle Larry and now together being adults. Whereas like 
you cook the pasta and that takes like whatever half an hour to an hour and then you're like cooking the sauce and then you're making a salad so like those things together add up to the two hours yeah i feel like the way that you guys cook as pretty as the presentation always is i'm like that must have taken seven hours yeah i'm like how is the world doesn't do long stuff i'm like she's literally made like soup dumplings you guys just made at home dumplings like you guys always choose hour-long projects at least you marinate the meat for like days i'm like okay (laughs) or you make like a 12 course meal and are cooking till like 3 a.m so fair point fair point I forgot about all those other times. Yeah, <laughs> easy is not your forte. Emily's like more time. <laughs> yeah, that longer. Good. Yeah. <laughs> like anything you do is short and quick. <laughs> truly not. Bread literally takes like all day. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> Overnight, oftentimes. Yeah, literally. <laughs> We were just talking about making fried chicken, and Derek's like, we should brine it overnight. And I was like, yeah. How can we extend it? Yeah, let's make it longer. Uh, Ours are usually one-day recipes. They're like four hours. <laughs> so you mentioned casseroles, Becca. Is there, like, a specific casserole that you always tend to make, or do you think that you vary it and do a bunch of different things? It's like whatever you got in the fridge kind of thing. Yeah, great question. There, my go-to casserole is this chicken divan dish that mm. I my mom used to make for us when we were growing up. Mm. And it's like chicken and cheese and broccoli and rice Yum. and you know. That's a typical that combination is. is always so good. Typical yeah. casserole. I always throw mushrooms in there because I love mushrooms. But yeah. um, however, learning how to make chicken divan allowed me to know that like literally anything can be a casserole yeah so yeah. a lot of my now casseroles are like what cheese is in the drawer what you know like yeah. what is what do there I have to work with? what is there versus you can throw anything in a casserole right. yeah right i want to piggyback off that my go-to meal to cook without even thinking about it is also something my mom made growing up <laughs> yes. my, our mom had like a staple seven to ten recipes and that is what she stuck to and so it. my go-to is a chicken cashew stir fry that she made um and like i have learned to make it best so becca doesn't cook it at home but when we (laughs) eat together she'll be like you make me chicken cashew and when i come to see her i'm like can you make me a casserole because we both (laughs) make those things best you can pleading each other yeah (laughs) when we when i moved out at least our mom made a family recipe of those 10 of those Aww. 10 recipes uh, that we both Short use all the time. I will say that my page, uh, the chicken cashew page of my book, of my book is just splattered in sauce. Yes. You can tell which recipe I use the most. Yeah, it's busy. All right. I'm going to be honest, I haven't looked at the chicken divine recipe in 15 years and I still make it with I still use it all the time and I make Got it, it like twice a month. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Well, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but I wanted to know what is like your best dining out experience and like what really made it special, if you have one. I think that this one time we went out for mine and my sister-in-law, Rocia's birthday. We went to an Indian restaurant that was like in Chicago and it was like a very small little place, like just a little storefront. And our whole family went and I had never really tried Indian food. I've always like tried to eat less meat. Yeah. And then going there, we all the food was vegetarian number one, so which was yeah. like cool and you didn't miss it, you know, like that yeah. kind of food. Yeah. Totally. And when we went there, it was like so, there was 
the owner and then this one other person helping him. So he like ended up closing down the restaurant for like an hour and a half because like when my family of eight or nine walks into a place, they just order everything. And so like yeah. there was a lot of food we ordered. <laughs> um, but you could he was like overloaded for a little bit. So people would come in and he'd be like, you have to wait a little bit. Like it was great. The food was delicious. Oh. I love Indian food. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it's like so underrated. It is. I think that it's so funny. Like you guys have always, we've always really understood each other because of like how close of sisters you guys are and how close of sisters we are. But so I was at that dinner and Becca was also at the dinner that I'm about to talk about. Uh, <laughs> A few years ago, maybe like five or six years ago, we went to Jazz Fest in New Orleans and New Orleans is known for its delicious food. And, you know, we're having like lobster po'boys where you're like, can you get a little bit of shell and it like doesn't even bother you because, you know, it's like so fresh and it's like great. But we, my father worked in an industry that uh, they sold giant mixers to companies that mix like spices and stuff. And so he had a really great relationship with a guy called Paul Prudhomme. Prudhomme Spices is the he's famous for yeah big deal and he owned the man owned a restaurant in new orleans um and so you know my dad's known him forever and he takes all of our family and it's us and our aunt and uncle and cousins and stuff so there's probably about what 16 of us yeah 15 16 and because my dad knew the guy, he was like, you know, you guys don't really even have to order. I'm just going to bring a bunch of food. Let me know what you do want. Let me know what you definitely want to see. And they just brought all this food and the Cajun spices. And wow. it was just one of those experiences where you just like just kept eating and you felt awful by the end of it because you've eaten like so much. Yeah. And everyone's like, all right, let's go out. And I'm like, oh, horizontal, or, please. Yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> so I would say that's probably my best dining experience. It was just the whole. You know, not even them just bringing yeah. things to you. Getting the and treatment. Martinis yeah. were flying. And... Yeah. So good. There's nothing like that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just realized I don't think I've ever knew what your parents did. I thought <laughs> the same thing. I was like, a mixing company. Um, he sold industrial mixers. <laughs> industrial mixers. So the this is a good H- connection. Spiel, it's like his elevator speech or, speech yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, like Kraft Mac and Cheese? Mm-hmm. And they have that little thing of cheese that's a powder? Yeah. yeah. So he sells mixers the size of, like, this room that mix that cheese Shut to up. put in Jello, the, the Jello, powder for Gatorade, all so spices. Cool. Yeah, lemonade. We used to get Wrigley's gum. We used to get yeah. all these free samples as kids, and it's, like, you know, powder. <laughs> Our cabinet yeah, was full of Jello. It was, like, a lot of Jello. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we didn't even eat. We get, like, the oat. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like lemonade, so much lemonade. <laughs> That's amazing. That is really amazing. Uh, do you guys have like a signature drink? We were trying to think of like what to make for a beverage here, yeah, and couldn't think of like what your your guys was their go to alcohol. I'll answer first because my answer is less exciting. I am just a dirty <laughs> martini kind of gal. Yeah. Tito's for dog lovers, and yeah. then you know, just okay. just straight up, and it's what I like and it's how I like to start a nice meal. Okay. I'm not very adventurous. I mean, not adventurous? I feel, I feel like, like a ad- dirty martini is yes. like the most adventurous. I agree. Like, I feel like it's so simple. It's not, it's not like this like, oh, an elderflower and a little <laughs> bit of a spice of this and it's just like, I just, just dirty martini. Fuck <laughs> it up. Been, like all different aperitif like things that I'm like, I don't even know how to make a drink without. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, no, Derek always makes them. I'm like, I don't know. I'll say, I put on my, on my Christmas list, like we make Christmas lists in our family Same. and I put on my list last year, um, a cocktail recipe book, yes. you know, 
And I've made some of them, like some of them with egg whites Ooh. and like, you know. Oh, no. Rachel doesn't like that. Terrifying. I love, I love drinks with egg in them. Yeah. And uh, anything with egg in it. It's really. still weirds me yeah, out when I, I make can't. them personally. I'm like, is this a good idea? This seems That's, I thought like a lot, like, is this just how it's done? Yeah. But, like, I'm going to try to start my meal with an egg white. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so good, though. It's the like a foam. breakfast. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Um, and the foam is so, yeah. They yeah. Kind of like layer. Yeah. But yeah, that cocktail book was a great Christmas gift. I use it all the time. And the yeah. shaker kit. Yeah, with your fancy shaker. Nice. Gotta gotta have both. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you have like a signature drink? Or you just like to mix it up? No, yeah, I do I do have a drink that I drink all the time. Ed even knows how to make it, my husband. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he trained him well. Because <laughs> he he drinks beer and like he doesn't yeah. drink prepared things. So yeah. Um, growing up, my, my aunt and my uncle, we were really, well, Rachel said earlier, we were really close to our grandparents, our family, um, our, we used to cook pasta with uncle Larry a lot, but my aunt Erica used to always make this vodka drink. She did other things, not just drink vodka. (laughs) It was one of her top skills, but it wasn't her only skill, (laughs) but she used to make this drink. Um, and I've kind of, I kind of attached to it when I was old enough to drink and then kind of adapted it to be my own drink. But she called it, um, she, so hers was called the Zach, just because that was our last name. Yes. But then I called my adaptation of it the Bensich, which was her married husband's name. Love it. So, like, it's this adaptation of it. It's um, it's vodka, specifically Tito's, because they support dog rescue. Love that. <laughs> Second throw that in there. I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah, I did not know oh, that. This they're, is they're, not a sponsored ad for Tito's. <laughs> There it is now. Pay us, Tito. Huge supporters for um, dog rescue. Or animal, probably animal oh. rescue, not just dogs. But, okay. Um, is that vod- a model? Yeah. How do you know this? It is. No, it is. It says, it says vodka for dog people. I have literally what? never read it. Apparently. I literally have a Tito shirt that says, I love dogs. And it's like just they, the Tito's. They donate to one tail at a time all the time. Like, they, they, they'll, like, Sponsor? support all. Yeah, like, give you vodka for an event. Honestly, yeah. genius. That and they, and cool. they give you dog treats and yeah. then your dog. Hats. We, and um, we for sure have a Tito's dog treat. Bandana. <laughs> dog treat over there. Um, That's amazing. Start from the yeah. beginning with the ingredients. Okay. <laughs> you lost me already. Sorry, the Tito's really blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So the signature drink is Tito's for dogs, people. Mm-hmm. And um, soda water, mm. a little bit of lime juice. Campari is that secret ingredient. And then a little bit of something that has citrus. I like to use lemon juice if possible or um, like squirt if that's all you have. Totally. You done? You forgot the cranberry. (laughs) Isn't there always cranberry in it? She did in the Zach. Oh, so that's your adaptation. Got it, got it, got it. It was actually my brother's wedding drink as well. But But Becca has stuck with it the most. I don't keep Campari at home. It's my, oh, I just bought a new bottle. (laughs) If you guys wanted to try it, yeah. I mean, I think we need to have it I feel like we might need to at some point. Yeah, that's very real. Tell me one, tell me one. That's real. Because I was like, I have Campari at home and I don't even know what it tastes like. Like it's very alone. bitter. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, but I don't like sweet things. Yeah. So like it's, it's, very it's similar to Aperol, but... Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Do you guys remember your first drink? <sighs> I remember the first time I got drunk, and I remember, like, the first... So our father drinks vodka straight, oh, and he yeah. comes home from work, and he puts a little bit of straight vodka in a glass. Respect. And I, I knew, could never do that. I knew no, how to no, no. pour He's that. Very, very Polish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Polish. We're very Polish. Um, and so I knew how to pour that from, like, a young age. 
But, like, one time I was like, can I try it? And I remember him being like, sure, go ahead. And put the tiniest bit of my mouth in the razor blades hit. And I was like, I'm never (laughs) drinking again. (laughs) This is terrible. Um, But... We actually drank a lot, like, growing, not drank a lot growing up, but our, it was very normal for, like, our grandparents to offer us wine or anything. Like, wine at a formal meal was semi-normal. Nice. It I was, think... like, getting, like, it's normal. Yeah. I, I think it teaches, like, respectful Respe- drinking. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, it, alcohol was never this thing we couldn't have. Yeah, it was taboo. Like... And so in terms of respectful drinking, my first time drinking, I stole uh, Jose Cuervo from my parents. My parents had two liquor cabinets. They had the one upstairs that they actually used, and then they had the garbage one in the basement for parties. So they would take the Jose Cuervo out. And so I stole the bottle of Jose Cuervo while my grandparents were watching me. Me and my high school friend, we had just left basketball turning bad, you know? And uh, I chugged a bunch of it, and she was all like, it tastes horrible, I can't do it. And I was like, you just gotta work through it. <laughs> and then I puked a bunch of my father's slop sink in the basement. So, yeah. <laughs> learned our lesson. Yeah. So now I, don't, now I don't drink Jose Cuervo. Yeah. Only, other, right. only right. other tequila. That's pretty clutch, having a like, lower level bar for like the parties where you keep like the big handles of like the cheaper stuff, and then like you have your nicer bar. Like I'm totally gonna do that. Yeah, and don't keep it all. And by like basement bar, what we mean is like cabinet in the laundry room. Yeah, it was just a cabinet (laughs) in the laundry room. But you know, it was the bottles they didn't monitor. Yeah, no, for sure. That was we grew up drinking out of that cabinet. It was like it was like the the stuff that people would bring over and like leave. Yeah, like Southern comfort. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Nothing, here's another bottle like Kahlua for the All show. All the schnapps. Yeah, no one drinks the schnapps. That was one of my first experiences. Was like a peppermint schnapps because like mm. it wasn't going anywhere. Like no one was <laughs> monitoring. One no one was monitoring thing. that bottle. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember your first drink? I don't. I yeah. remember your first yeah. time getting drunk. Um, I think the first time I got drunk was at a Loch Lomond um, guard party, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which define that a bit more. Yeah, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? A There's guard party. Okay, so is this the night watch. What is yeah. it? <laughs> One more thing we have in common. <laughs> Growing up, um, we lived in a, a neighborhood called Loch Lomond, and there's a lake, so it's called Loch Lomond, um, and. We were all, my sister, brother, and I were all lifeguards at the beach. There were two beaches. Um, It was honestly just a job to, like, (laughs) show up to. And, like, I made a lot of, like, friendship bracelets, painted a a bag set, painted a bike. We taught a lot of kids how to swim during that, but we might have been, been, like, high school hungover while we did it. We got, yeah, anyways, anyways, yeah, the point of the story is um, the first time I remember getting drunk was Loch Lomond, I, we were lifeguards, and we would have guard parties, like, one, probably, like, once a week or something, and uh, I, it was when I was, I was probably, like, 15, because you could start working there a little bit earlier than, like, you could, are we allowed to talk about it? We've been talking about this all the time, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. So the guards, the lifeguards older than me were like, what do you want to drink? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, like, I don't really know. <laughs> and um, so they got me, um, I think they were Smirnoff Ices, to be honest. Oh, which even more, classic. Ooh, did they make Smirnoff Ices? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah, yeah, baby. They icing made it wasn't a thing time. yet, but they Yeah, icing was not a thing, but like Smirnoff Ice was like a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, my God, I forgot about those. Which I drank also a lot of <laughs> yeah. separ- separately in my childhood. Yeah. Or, you know, middle Jeez. childhood. Yeah. But um, 
But yeah, so we all like, I remember we, that's where I learned to place, uh, what's that circle of death? I thought you were going to say spin the bottle. No, that's what I almost wanted <laughs> to say. That's way younger. <laughs> but, uh, no. So yeah, I got really drunk at that guard party and then walked home. So it was great with, yeah. with somebody else. Safe. Good. My Safety first. Yes. With, with our brother. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Becca also were the best swim instructors because we did go swimming with the children every day and chuck them around and like, you know, learn how, learn how to swim, child. You got so, it. Literally sink or swim. No. Like, we got paid really well, like $20 an hour after you've been there for like four years and you had That's your legit. WSI. And you're just like outside. You get to get like tan. It was a good time. The parents loved us. Yeah. I, I, got, I like still have thank you letters from oh children, parents that they were like you changed my child's life that's so cute adorable <laughs> lifeguarding like was a good time they're Tons looking for more i've heard that there, there's not enough lifeguards right now there's a oh, shortage really? yeah a lot of pools and things mm, aren't gonna be able to open shit. this summer and i was like i get it tag me in job. coach i'm ready <laughs> like, I it was a legit job like yeah. even if i had like a job where i didn't work in the summer like a teacher yeah i would for sure be a lifeguard consider it yeah mm-hmm. how did you guys learn to cook or what's your favorite memory in the kitchen learn to cook i don't know that i was ever like formally taught to cook our mother did cook dinner five to six nights a week and there was always like a you have to help sort of thing so like there's green beans you're sitting at the counter cracking the green beans there's potatoes you're peeling the potatoes but my mom also like cooking for a family was really just like cooking to feed it wasn't like a we're gonna yeah it wasn't exploratory yeah. it wasn't exciting it, was a it function, wasn't not... yeah there wasn't like a ex- plating experience she didn't like... have a smartphone yeah. that was looking yeah. up recipes on no. like half-baked harvest yeah. she was cooking right. her meals so um i think that it was just like comfortability with like that's what you do but our uncle that we've talked about a couple times our uncle larry he was super our like connection to food and whenever we would Love spend that. spring break with them every year me and becca would fly there and we'd have like we were too young to fly alone, so we had, like, a little companion oh. pass, and the, this flight attendant's, like, walk you on, and they're like, do you feel safe? And you're like, I feel safe. <laughs> so we would go visit them, and he would, that's, again, like, the all-day cooking, and so he yeah. really taught us, like, on the ground, you're, you're, actually, you're actually doing the things, yeah. uh, and I love to cook now, so I think that's sort of, like, where that we both from. learned, but... I a lot of it's also trial and error. Yeah, what yeah. she said. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. I think also just like when you learn to live on your own, like when we, yeah. so I lived yeah. with Becca and my now brother-in-law at the time, Becca's boyfriend, yeah. and we like all agreed like you cook dinner two nights a week. Yeah, and, seems fair. And in the beginning it was like you make like rice aroni packets. Yeah. But then you like learn a little bit more and you learn yeah. a little bit more, more and more timing was yeah. definitely the hardest part about cooking. Oh my God, yeah. always, still is. Yeah. Oh my god, I struggle so much because now I live alone because Emily moved away. Oh, and literally. she was like my, my chef. For That's my, a lot. Very, very Living long, alone, you know? like she loves to cook. I'm meh about yeah. it. I love to eat. Don't like to cook. But she'll, she'll eat like one meal a day, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like four meals maybe plus. And now yeah. it's definitely just like making sure to budget time and like I have to stop working by this time or I'm not gonna freaking eat dinner yeah there will be no food like I know that I won't do it so I think sometimes the guilt of like having to cook for somebody else also Mm -hmm. helps like if I when I lived alone yeah it was like "Mm, I could just eat like cheese and crackers but right now I'm like like, oh there's an apple here this is I'm like oh I Brendan cooked yesterday I have to cook tonight or when we lived together Mm -hmm. I was like they already cooked this week like I have have to to. yeah so like helps keep you yeah, yeah helps keep you accountable 
Yeah, it's easier to just eat cereal sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I try not to keep like easy things in the kitchen just for that reason because I know that I'll just cop yes. out to it and I just won't like make the thing that I said I was going to make originally. Yeah. Oh, there's just this noodle packet that's already ready. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this pasta is looking pretty simple right now. Yeah, it's real. I'm also like very much like a, I have to be in the mood for what I'm about to eat. So yes. people that like meal plan and like I buy for it. a week and then really? I'm like, I don't want that broccoli I that I said I was going to eat on I Wednesday. I recipes already and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I'm really That's just so feeling funny. like this instead. <laughs> I will eat like whatever. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know. As long as you have food, you're happy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I feel like maybe Emily, you and I have that in common. Yeah. The middle, the middle children. Yes. <laughs> But I bet Emily's a leftover person, and you are not. Oh, I love leftovers. We don't eat leftovers. Really? I mean, I mean specific leftovers, like pasta or like... Certain things are better. Yeah. Certain yeah, things, you know, but, like I, but like if Ed and I cook, like I'm not going to eat those leftovers tomorrow. Dang. Oh, my God. I like love making a bigger thing because I know I'll have leftovers. Yeah, that's like, what my mom says. Meal week. Yeah. <laughs> I what... will eat leftovers only the next day, but if it's longer than that. Luckily, though, we both are with men who will immediately Scavenge. like brendan will eat like 10 day old chicken and i am like you will i'm like you will die yeah, you might. and he ha- and he's never had a stomachache in since i've known him yeah. Built tough. whereas and yeah. like ed too also will eat leftovers for yeah. days yeah his nickname is the garbage man because he'll, he'll finish anything yeah <laughs> apparently that's me my house <laughs> I feel like Derek probably has a low gross level to Oh, he does. But he like doesn't really like leftovers though. He's like, yeah. mm. Uh-oh. Mm. I'll just fresh. make something new. And like that's, we have a yes. grocery store that's downstairs, so it's like I'll just go down and buy something else. And it's like, no, this is in the fridge. He's going bad. Yeah. Yeah, we do fend for yourself nights, and that's when Brendan eats yeah. all the leftovers and then I cook myself. <laughs> I really that's like that. Name. Yeah, yeah fend for yourself have. nights. And honestly, you need some of those because like Cooking every day is a bit exhausting after a while. Oh my god, yeah. And sometimes you just want that, like the ramen noodles, yeah, or like the just yes. pasta with like canned exactly. sauce, Something which simple. it feels wrong mm-hmm. to make that on like a I'm cooking dinner night. But on a fun for yourself night, like hell yeah, I'm oh, eating yeah. ragu. Yeah, <laughs> no fine. shame. Yeah, no shame. No one's judging. <laughs> do you guys want to try a bensich? Yes. Yeah, let's do let's it. Do it. Let's, let's pause. Do it. I love that idea. I need a new drink. Bensich. <laughs> Is there a food that you guys have always wanted to try or learn, like, how it's made? There there are foods that I wish I knew how to make, and it probably goes back to the fact that I just never wanted to as a child, but I wish I could make all my grandma's food. Yeah. So, like, pierogies, yeah. you guys have that, like, annual pierogi night? I'm yes. Like, I don't know how to make pierogies. Oh, man. Like, Come on down. I was just going to say, we should collab. Yeah. Or, like, potato <laughs> so latkes. Fun. Like, yeah. I wish that I could... Or my grandma's tomato soup. My oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. It's like, it, it, not only for us is it the how to make it, but it's like we want it to taste like Bob shows. And yeah. So that has that like extra aspect of like we have to make it a specific way. Totally. And, like, Lockies are all like all different textures. And yeah. And that. Yes. I had one this morning and I was like, this is different than I expected, but it was good. Some yeah. of them are like just a fried like hash brown potato. Yeah. Some of them are like super pulpy. Like I remember yeah. she would like. Yeah, pulp it and like pull Ooh. the water out of it with like you totally. know those like cheese cloths. Yeah. And stuff. yeah, even today I was talking to my mom about like 
like pies are good. I like them. Don't get me wrong. But my gra- my other grandma on my mom's side, yeah. her pies used to be like legendary. The flake, <laughs> like the dough was so flaky Dang, and yeah. light and delicious. And it's like that's a sign. I know how a pie is made. Yeah, yeah. the dough is I the don't hardest know. part. I don't know how. Dough is yeah, the same. yeah. Right? That's so true. Like, I don't know how they did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I know how tomato soup is made, but not my grandma's tomato soup. It's so yeah. hard when, like, people like that are gone in your life, and you just, like, feel like, how do I ever get that back? Yeah. yeah. Even like, when she was here, we knew that, yeah. like, the end was coming, and she, like, wouldn't teach <laughs> oh, us. She's like, I don't know. You, like, took <laughs> it a little bit. Of, she took it to the grave. Put a little bit of this in it. So the, like... prob- <laughs> the problem is, we did, as a family, have one day where she taught us how to make some, some things. One of yeah. them being this tomato soup that Rachel and I both love and you know we're cooking with her we're like babsha what how much of this do you put in like cream and she's like i don't know she like this much much our great grandmother's recipes were pretty much all the same and it was in handfuls it's a handful okay she had tiny hands hands. (laughs) that's That's not a normal amount exactly i'm like so how how many seconds are you pouring that cream for or like and and then like half an hour later she'd like add a little bit more cream and i'm like oh do you add more cream and she's like no i probably didn't use enough earlier and i'm like wait (laughs) so when do i is it okay that i is it okay that i do it now how do you know that it wasn't enough what am i doing i'm not really sure here that's hilarious Yes. Yeah. yeah, but I also like just off pierogies. I feel like dumplings in general intimidate me. Like I, yeah. you guys also yeah. make like uh like wontons. Yeah, and, like, like gyoza. Different gyoza. Yeah. There's no way I can make it egg roll. Like, I all. wish. I wish I. It's had. not as hard as you think. I think it's it, always it's, the thing. It's to, just like, it's one of those time-consuming ones where it's yeah. like we yeah, there's a lot of steps invested and just know that we've like, made quite thing. a few yeah. raviolis together. Uh, yeah, yum. Which I guess maybe thinking about it should make me less intimidated. Yeah, that's yeah, basically. It's, it's honestly almost dough is dough. <laughs> Ravioli dough is so thick, whereas I feel like some of the, the other wonton ones papers are, are pretty thin, but yeah. they also are like stronger than you think. They are. They don't really like puncture easily. Yeah. Depending on the kind of give. <laughs> Anything with like a little pocket of goodness is yes. oh. dumplings, I'm, I'm ravioli, whatever you need. Those are my favorite foods. Yeah. Like yeah. anytime we come across something like that, I'm like, yeah, it's basically this and it's Anything why I love wrapped it. in dough. Yeah, anything Empanadas. wrapped in dough. Calzones. <laughs> Calzones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dumplings. Yeah. Pierogies. Raviolis. Empanadas. Yes. Pretty much every culture like has <laughs> something like got that one. too. So yeah. it's like it's obviously a winning way. Yeah. The UP has it. the pasty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like always oh, there's something. Oh pasty. Yes. yes. So good. Uh, so good. good. <laughs> there's a specific Polish dumpling that they put in borscht and beet soup that's like a mushroom Ushka. and an ushka. Do you guys eat that? Yeah. yeah. And we don't, and I really want to try making oh, it. Oh yeah. my oh, so god. Life changing. That yeah? was a big tradition in our family. We would get blessed ushkas, which are just <gasps> essentially uh mushroom dump like yes. small mushroom dumplings yeah and they go in the borscht around christmas and we, we would get yeah. them, them blessed around christmas every year growing up we were told you're only supposed to eat them on christmas <laughs> now i eat them <laughs> I, I, 10 to 15 times who a made year. that rule? i pop that shit like candy when it's in my fridge <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so we we there's like a specific grocery <laughs> polish grocery store oh that we still go to that we used to take our grandma to and like there's a also a branch on Western in Chicago. I was going to say, where is it's it? It's the same Let's one, go. Rich's Delicatessen, and they have, okay. like, you just buy a pl- plastic package of it, and you, like, boil them at home, uh-huh. and it is, like, tastes like our heaven. Yeah. Tastes like our, like, um, Also, if you're going to Rich's, yeah. just yeah. for the record, buy the latkes. Yeah, mm. so good. Okay. I mean, honestly, yeah. buy some of them. Yeah. <gasps> I mean, I'm going the to. The pierogies, they're mushrooming sauerkraut pierogies. Oh, mm. 
We don't do any with mushrooms, and I was like, why not? I guess yeah. it's probably as kids, we would probably complained or something, maybe. So, but yeah, yeah, bringing as, it back because now I like them. As yeah. kids, I would. We are. We only really did mushroom or sauerkraut or the cream cheese filling. Cheese and potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah. as kids, yeah, I only ate the cheese and potatoes. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, Sour- yes, sauerkraut is delicious. Yeah, it is really good. <laughs> the only thing about that place is they don't speak English. Dang, it's that So, much. sometimes well, it's they, a little intimidating, but they're very nice. They try their yeah. best, and okay. like at checkout, it, the number's right there. So yeah, the number's, you can figure it out. <laughs> Universal. Honest, <laughs> honestly, like, when I go in there, I try not to speak, because I'm like, maybe they think I speak Polish. Yeah. But you gotta get, but to get some of the sausage, you have to go to the meat counter. So yeah, I start yeah, with, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't speak Polish, and they say, okay, and then I just, I point, and they get it, and it's great. It always works oh, out. Oh, yeah. The They're happy to take my business regardless. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I tried doing Duolingo for a while, and I picked up some Polish, so I'll just try and pretend for as long as I can. Yeah, just, just learn the up. words that are important. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I like sausage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is really good. They have really good shit. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to try that. You guys have talked about kind of experimenting in the kitchen. Is there anything that's ever gone just like tragically awry? What's your biggest cooking fail? I feel like I have an answer, but it's <laughs> not. I feel like it's not what you're. What I immediately thought of when you asked the question. Yeah. I would say my biggest cooking fail that I remember is not making enough food. Ah. Uh. We yeah. recently That's like made a big no-no in like our Polish life. life. Yeah, Polish life in general. Yeah. Me and Becca like, recently well, had like a we're gonna cook together night, and we yeah. made what did we make gnocchi? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And we it was for us and our significant others, and yeah. we just simply did not make enough, and yeah. nobody at the table had had enough, and it was just <laughs> oh. this like. Sad. disappointing <laughs> like if i now want what? people to when i cook a meal i want people to leave so full they're a little uncomfortable yeah and same. all four of us were just like okay well uh, <laughs> what about what's, dessert what's dessert yeah. so i feel like that was my biggest cooking fail like i just want there to be enough food the yeah. gnocchi was good but yeah, yeah. that's a good answer i'm gonna, again second that yeah, so yeah. we're yeah. there for all of each other's uh, cooking yes. experiences. yeah i don't think i've ever like failed in the kitchen you know sometimes you have to yeah. adapt and it's not exactly what you think it was like that other time we made pasta and like the sauce was watery but oh, yeah, but yeah. the pasta was still really good yeah we learned. but that's not a fail yeah, so, yeah. Like, exactly mm-hmm. you know times when it goes great and other times where it's like okay yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah at least we tried. ours was a fail ours <laughs> was a definite fail we yeah, ate yours. some of it but it was very gross we tried to make samosas but we didn't have the right wrapping and i didn't make my own dough and i was like it's okay we've got these other things and i think they're gonna work perfectly and they were like rice paper wrappers yeah, for like, it was a, like spring for a spring roll. It looked like cat barf in a bag. Oh. Yeah. It looked really gross. And, it, and she was she was like, we tried to eat some of it. Inside filling was, was really the good. Filling was good. She ate the filling out. I was like trying to eat the wrappers, but I was like, this is the wrapper was that bad, or they just didn't go together. They didn't really, they didn't really go together. They're kind of already falling yeah. apart. I don't think you're really supposed to like cook those rice wrappers. No. Like, <laughs> not like that. Oh. No, you know, like usually you just like seal it in that, and like you kind of it's eat the done. paper kind of raw. Yeah, you know. But like, yeah, we yeah, tried we to like, like fry them, <laughs> and they're like hard and crispy. Yeah, and they're like, like a bit chewy. It was yeah. like chewy. Was, like, yeah, weird. there's so many gross words we could use to describe them right now. Chewy skin. Springosas or not? Yeah, we call it a new name you live and you learn you know you do that's yeah. see dumplings are actually intimidating they as are. i stated they earlier are. Yeah. they can't I go made, wrong i made them later and they turned out so good and i was like wow i just really needed to just make my own dough and not yeah, be like i'll just use around. this store-bought thing <laughs> yeah it was 
Yeah. <laughs> you live and you learn. Correct. <laughs> is there something that comes to mind as like the weirdest or grossest thing that you guys have eaten? Yeah. Maybe you don't think it's gross, but other people might yeah. also. A lot of people don't like bugs. I I think that bugs in the right situation can be good. I'm still I do struggling. think bugs can, bugs can be a good uh, source of protein. I'm trying to embrace the planet. I'm trying to embrace it, but I'm having trouble. Not to transition, but there are some new dog food uh, kibble companies that use like crickets or other farmed bugs. Really? Which I have not tried. Oh, like kibble or crickets in my life. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised. If it's protein, I'm like, okay. I'm not going to say I've never eaten kibble. (laughs) I'm here, Rachel's like, (laughs) the amount of times that as a child we dared Rachel. To eat a milk bone, and she did. <laughs> it's like, like whatever. And by dared, I mean like I dare you to do that. Not like any. There's no no, no repercussions. I was the youngest, and I I would do a lot of things to get to hang out. You know? Oh yeah, that's all I, mean, I have to say. Lots of milk. That is the job. I just want to be in your presence. <laughs> Anything to let for you guys to let me hang out with you. Sure, I'll eat milk bones. Cool, um, sounds good. Amazing. I would. I have like a kind of stupid answer for this, but in terms of like gross. I I am not the most adventurous eater. Mm-hmm. However, there are two things that once a year I try. Yeah. I'll say three things. Once a year I try. Love it. Because I want to like gross, them. though. And some people okay. would consider okay. them gross. Okay. All right. Oysters. Yeah? Gross. I want to like oysters. Yeah. My sister here, they are her They're favorite so thing. She, one time on a trip to Ireland, ate probably 35 in one day. That is not Damn. an exaggeration. It we was went to the oyster festival. Much. We went okay. to the oyster oh, festival. Oh, it was a festival. <laughs> she videos of her just slurping multiple, one in each hand. Amazing. Um, and our whole family loves them. And so, like, I, I don't think they're, like, I don't think they're that gross. But yeah. I, once a year... It's I'll like try a, one, and I like I just don't it still enjoy it. Yeah, okay. I just okay. don't like it's it. It's like a splash of salt water. Yeah, yeah. So like sometimes <laughs> yeah. at work, which like I feel like you would like. I feel like this. Is so at work, when I accidentally get salt water in my mouth, <laughs> that is not ideal. <laughs> so actually, for me, it's like sometimes it's a reaction. when you yeah. when you start a siphon hose, which that word is probably not a word that people understand, but you'll suck on the end of it, and sometimes you get salt water in your mouth. Oh, me and I immediately spit it out. Yeah. yeah. So I spit it out. So an oyster to me is like if I got that gulp <laughs> of water and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this and I'm going to swallow it. Like, okay. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, the other right two there. are goat cheese, which everybody loves goat cheese yeah, love goat and they cheese. put it in so many things that I love, like cranberries and yeah. salads and walnuts and love yeah. them. Honestly, if I see goat cheese on a menu, I'm ordering it. And I want, yeah. and so yeah. I like want to like Same. it, and I try it, and then gin. I just can't. So. Yeah. Oh, man, okay. See, gin. I'm glad I know these things about you, because like I, when I was trying to think of things to bring, I was like, I don't know if I know enough of their food preferences. Yeah. Like I know you like fruit, and I know you like seafood. Um, I will literally eat anything. I used to not like onions, and I still don't like big, like chunky onions. But in my older like uh, raw or cooked or both well i really don't like raw red onions I they're think, strong i think mm-hmm. they love i think they taste like bo to be honest they are kind of like a little bit yeah. uh, you're not wrong love- yeah <laughs> so and like, and like <laughs> i used to hate all onions and that you know like if like they were in a recipe and i could see them you know i wouldn't eat them yeah but right. now at this point in my life i'm a good eater and i will literally totally. if you put it in front of me I'm going to eat it. I might pick the onions out, but I'm going to eat it. Have you ever eaten anything particularly gross? I can't think of anything. I don't think anything gross. I think, like, again, I don't mean to keep, like, falling back on being Polish, but, like, (laughs) we ate a lot of, like, 
bacon with the skin on it. And like, you know, like yeah. different, like, I don't know, probably the only, there's no fruits or vegetables that are gross. Yeah. And so like meat, totally. like I, we've, that's what we grew up on. Yeah. I've never had veal and that's something I probably just like won't ever have because I'm vegetarian. It's like that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, and like foie gras I've had, but like, and it's okay. I'm not like, oh my God. Oh, I have tried escargot, but some yeah. people love that, but that's gross. I yeah. It's not my jam. It's not my jam either. I don't really but like so the, I don't like the fish eggs. Yeah? I, like no? when they pop. Yeah. Up, you know? Mm-hmm. It is a weird texture. I don't like those. So yeah. what I do for work is breeding fish. And so- yeah. Oh. hilariously like yeah so okay wait, wait, wait. i don't know this is a ridiculous story and you can put this in the podcast but um so at work i often carry around wait wait wait, wait. let me back it up in my life i am not good at keeping water bottles and thermoses so i lose them all the time so i carry old jars around so i have like old salsa and pickle jars that i carry my water around in because if people find them they know that they are mine Easily identifiable. <laughs> that is interesting. Also, strange. if you like lose a salsa jar, it doesn't matter. You have like fifteen more of them at home, True. and it has be- it has become a thing. And I don't care. Everyone thinks it's weird. I don't care. No, it's great. <laughs> I love but that. so I was about to go tend to dive. So I'm standing like I'm watching somebody scuba dive and make sure that they're breathing great. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a great job watching observantly <laughs> when I notice that there are some fish breeding, and I have nothing around me. And I see them throwing their eggs, and I want the eggs. So I grab my jar, my pickle jar of water, and I'm like, oh, God. I pour it out. I fill it with the water from the tank, and I get, grab a net, and I catch the eggs. And I put them all in my pickle jar, and I'm like, oh, my God, great. I'm going to take this back later. This is incredible. I got all these eggs from this species that I'm trying to breed. And like five minutes go by and I completely forget and I grab my pickle jar and take a drink and oh. I had Anthea's caviar. <laughs> oh my god. So I so I spit it out <laughs> and uh, went on with my day. That is hilarious. So yeah, I tried to not drink or try to not eat caviar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like very close to home. That's too, too close. That is that definitely was, too close. That was a great story. Did I not tell <laughs> no. <laughs> it was just sitting there. I just thought work. it was my water. I mean, honestly, that's a like pretty average day at my job. The highs of like, I got these eggs I've been trying yeah. to get, and then the lows I of mean, like, oh, oh shit, I just got yeah. eggs in my mouth. Yeah, I did that. You couldn't purchase that caviar even if you tried. Yeah, <laughs> that's a delicacy. How did it taste? Like salt water. Like, it yeah. tasted like an oyster that oh. I then spit out, you know? Okay, yeah. naturally. Naturally. <laughs> Is there anything that you, like, n- never would want to try? Like, I mean, I feel like I've got a couple. Like, bugs, I'm, like, trying to be, like, more open-minded toward it. But, like, if I'm not getting paid to do it, like, I probably <laughs> won't. But I feel like, to be honest, I feel like bugs are something I would be more into. Yeah. I think, like, I, I to be honest, I'm a good eater. And I will, I will try anything if someone is like, this is good. I love it. Yeah. I would probably try it. I do think the things that like gross me out more are like in like Scotland or England where it's like the blood, like, stuff, like, yeah. blood stuff. Yeah, blood stuff. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of like weird egg. I will, yeah. things too. Yeah. 
I think there's some seafood things in different cultures that are really weird to me. Like our, all of our mutual friends, uh, they go to a place in San Francisco where you eat urchin that's still alive. So they like crack the urchin open yeah. and the meat is like moving still. Yeah, and I'm like, eating when it's like still I'm not like trying that. to eat that. Yeah. And they think it's delicious. Yeah, and like sometimes why. octopus <laughs> or squid are so fresh that they're like still like re- yeah. reactive, which... I get like it's cool because it's so fresh, but yeah. also like to me, I'm a little bit. I'm not. I'm not a vegetarian, but it's a little too too far gone for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. You work with them like every day too. Yeah, so. I got too much respect for octopus. Yeah, I know so. you were obsessed with them. <laughs> I don't. They're very smart. I don't eat uh, yeah. calamari. They're, yeah. They make eye contact yeah. and like recognize Ooh, you. I'm I know not too trying much. To try, yeah. Really? Yeah. Also, out of just like principle, I wouldn't eat dog. That's, that's fair. reasonable. That seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> which, which in a lot of cultures they do. It's very common. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like. Um, there's so many meat things that I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I've also been to like those barbecues where they serve the pig's face, and oh. I am not trying to eat most of that either. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not eating like an eyeball. Cheek. I'm not eating a brain. No, I'm out. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Becca's way more adventurous than me. I'm. Yeah, I love. I love eating. I love food. I don't care. I mean, I'm a good eater. But I'm not a adventurous eater. Like yeah. I eat a good amount. More adventurous as time has gone on. I, would... I think living in other countries definitely like yeah. gives you that appreciation. Because um, I definitely like ate tripe and things that I like never thought that I would eat. I think yeah, it comes down to just like if other people enjoy it, maybe it tastes good. Yeah, yeah. there might be something to this. Yeah, this is weird, and I've actually never said it out loud too. But um, <laughs> um, when I'm cooking my dog food a lot, I'll make gizzards. And like, oh, that's yeah. never something I thought I would eat. But yeah. Tried a little bit. Oh, I've definitely yeah. tried it. And they are really good. Uh, it's very meaty. Yeah. And, like, when I, and think... I wouldn't know that except that I make them for my dogs. Yeah. When I think of chicken gizzards, I think of being at Erica and Larry's, our aunt and uncle, and cutting <laughs> them up the to food. feed the dogs. Yeah. It's like what I, they would like give me scissors and I'd have to cut them up. And I remember being like, this is so yeah. gross. Yeah. And I'm, here Becca honestly, is. Honestly, yeah, it's good. Try put, it. Put a little salt, a little pepper on it. That, it's good. <laughs> She's had worse. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, like many of our friends, I feel like, are pretty avid travelers. So how do you guys typically find like where to eat when you go to different places? Good question. I think that we... First of all, I love reading travel books. Love it. Me yeah. too. And like that's, you <laughs> know, old if, school, but files if you know you're going to go on a trip, I'll, I'll always, I'll order like the used travel books off Amazon. So it's like two or three years yeah. old, half priced, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'll look in there. But also I think like if you're going to stay at an Airbnb or stay at, stay at a hotel or wherever, like ask the people. They'll generally have some good recommendations. But also I just, I love reading reviews because, yeah. you know, you don't know. It might be like really popular but bad or it might mm-hmm. be really not popular and good. So. Yeah. I like when you get the pictures a lot too because it'll tell you a lot about the space and yeah. like is this the vibe I'm looking for or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think like asking people a lot of times you'll get like the best place. Totally. Yeah, I feel like I'm a huge crowdsourcer. Like, I love social media, so I, like, post to my friends and, like, yes. you know, my Instagram story. I'm like, I'm going here. What should, where should I eat? What can I not miss? But also, I'm all about location. So if it's near <laughs> my, if it's near where I'm staying, I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Yeah. Yes. True. 
That is always like what I start with too. It's like, okay, what's local in my area? Cause I'm, you know, you're going to wake up like one morning and need to be able to like walk and go get something or like whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. or like a grocery store, even like know where those things are when you need it in the moment. Cause like I wake up and I'm hangry and it's like, I need something within like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I need to like yes. have a plan. Yeah. I need a plan. I need a we're, croissant we're not, and a coffee so I can figure out where I'm going next. <laughs> we're not doing an activity until Becca yes. was about to go on a trip with our dad recently. And he was, what did he say? He was like, we could do like three hours of activity before we eat breakfast, right? <laughs> no. Right, 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 yeah. Oh my God. So, yeah. So trying I'm, to kill me? <laughs> I'm trying to plan this trip. Yeah. I'm the type of person that like wakes up, showers, drinks coffee, and eats immediately yeah. within the first half an hour of being awake. Same. And uh, yeah, so he's like, so what do you think? We can like wake up, you know, drink coffee and like drive a couple hours before we get breakfast. Whoa, I'm like, whoa, whoa. I was like, yeah, we can do that, but I'll just have granola bars on me. Like, yeah. yeah. Do I need to pack those? Because I will. Um, yeah, no, that's an ongoing joke in my family. If like Becca's fed, then everything is good. Yes. Yeah. Why is there always that person? Is that the middle child? Maybe it is, I guess. Oh, I don't know. I'm pulling people. 100%. If Becca's blood sugar gets too low, she is a bad time. Yeah. We are, and if she's a bad time, we're all having a bad time. It doesn't time. feel good, okay? I know. Yeah. So in my adult life, I've learned to like, I carry snacks like literally in my purse. Yes. You'll always find granola bars or like something that's like, quick snack worthy yeah um and so the whole time we were on the, i was on this trip with my dad he was like wait are you okay are you okay and i'm like dad like i'm an adult i can do this like why well, brought my snacks but uh, my mom used to like write books for fun when she was when we were kids and one of her books was titled i'm becca and i'm hungry <laughs> i'm sorry your mom used to write books yeah another fun fact we're learning what? about your parents <laughs> I mean, not like, you know, anything that would well, change yeah. or anything. No, but funsies. like, I went to school for, writing and I'm like, will herself. I ever do anything with this? And yeah. it's like, well, maybe I'll just write some books for me. People are yeah. just doing it. You should just do I it. I know. Well, yeah. I can publish it. But I think they were like, you know, like kids' Everybody's stories. Got a yeah. Book. Okay, well, new goal. I did not uh, study abroad super exotic. I studied abroad in New Zealand. <laughs> And, you know, they speak English there and they eat a lot of the same food. But. (laughs) It means far away. But at all of their convenience stores. Like gas station. Gas station, you know, the corner store or whatever. They have in what, like, you'd put like a a rotating hot pretzel thing. They have in those pies. And they have like a veggie pie. They have like a chicken pot pie. They have a meat pie. And on yeah. my way to class, like from my dorm to my the university campus, yeah, I passed a corner store. I turned left on a corner and that left. So I'd walk <laughs> in and I'd grab a meat pie and I'd walk out and I miss those meat pies yes. more than anything in the whole world. Oh, I would great. kill for a New Zealand corner store meat, meat pie. pie. <laughs> also, the, the candy they had at those convenience stores was it was always superior. M- yeah, mad garlic like superior. Store. Yeah, Dang. it was like those. It was like. In, in the gas stations, they'd have, like, six, like, of those clear bins where you could, like, pick your candy, and yeah. it was always sour candy. Mm. Well, I don't know if you guys it. know how much I really want to go candy. there. We're, like, yeah. oddly obsessed with New Zealand. Like, we just, like, love, like, comedies and, like, things that come out of there, and, like, people yeah, from there accents, always seem... Yeah, yeah, we tried to practice the accents for a really long time when we were living together. So... If I ever go there. If you ever want to go to the South Island, we would do it with you. I would just say that the whole country of New Zealand is only the size of Illinois. God, that's crazy. So you can see the whole thing in two weeks. So like, that's the great thing. Like driving from city to city, thing to thing is, and they have everything from like beaches to like the uh, ice. Yeah. 
oh shit, what's the word? Guys, glaciers. Glaciers. Yeah, God damn it. Geysers. All the way to the ice glaciers that you uh, can like climb on and stuff. I thought stuff. it was going to be like fjord or like some yeah. like crazy like name. And honestly, it's probably called fjords too. But glacier. Yeah, glaciers. Words are not my strong suit. But I do think that I would recommend going there if you're down to do the 18 hour flight that it takes to get there. Yeah, yeah. that's the hardest part. Honestly. Like you're blowing a day just to get there. And it was, it was yeah. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Amy and Rachel and I did a two week road trip run. It looked amazing. North Island. It was mm-hmm. the best ever. Yeah. But those dang meat pies. They were so good. <laughs> they were so good. The amount of meat pies and gummy candy I ate on that trip is probably exponential. But like if there was a meat pie in like a 7 Eleven around here, I'd be like, that is not. <laughs> no, you would I never. <laughs> I would be Do like, I want what to are you? Die. I'd like swat it out of your hand. <laughs> <It's> hard pass. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. So, you're on death row. What's your last meal? My death meal would definitely... (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, dark, 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 dark. Let me start over. (laughs) My death row meal would definitely be just a big old Polish plate of food. I would want all of the the Polish sausage, pierogies, plotsky. I'd want the borscht with the ushka. And then end it with a cake from Oak Mill Bakery. Oh, <laughs> ambrosia cake. Ooh, yeah. That's oh. he- that's not what I was thinking originally. Because I like oh. that is the, that's like so heavy mm. and filling, and like that's that's how I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, and I would love all those things. I think though that I have to go with spaghetti. I yeah. love spaghetti. Probably like a carbonara with white sauce and some like peas in there. Um, Mushrooms, obviously. Oh, mushrooms for sure. Done. (laughs) And then also, um, I don't know, it's in between like fruit tart or like creme brulee with real like muddled berries. Not that like syrup, but like the actual berries. Dang. Love custard. Creme brulee girl. Yeah, I love custard. Oof. Another thing, Wana like don't really like. You can't vibe with the custard. <sighs> no, me neither. She's, she doesn't like the custard. I can't Consistency. Do it. Yes, yeah. it's like yeah, it's hard to get down. My windpipe is like my wind, It's closing. Close it up. Yeah, it's closing up. It's like the thing that slides down. Yeah, no you would think. <laughs> I doesn't know where to go. Yeah. Uh, you guys are crazy. I love yeah, it. Like, love it. Bring it on. My yeah. body rejects it. I pudding don't know. all day. Yeah, yeah pudding. Yes. Cabrulee, no. like. I don't really love flan though. No, that's really one thing that I don't. Like. I don't know why. Flan, I could almost get down you with. Flan which is the weirdest texture, and so I weird. don't understand they why that's similar. a thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like kind of set up more though. That's why it's, it's got more of a bite. Yeah, it's to a little it. more I structured, and I don't like it. Why are you firm when you're? Yeah. It's like slimy, or it's like you it like see the spoon mark in it. It's like fucking jello. It's jello. Like that's what it is. I'm out. Oh, I'm all right, out. I can't explain that one. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of mouth surgeries in the last while of my life, yeah. and pudding mm. is saving mm. grace. Is key, and that is yeah. custard. Yes. Yeah. pudding is custard. Creamy, delicious, vanilla. That's yes. real. That's so real. good. Put some muddled berries in that shit. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day. <laughs> Fair enough. Now I know. <laughs> all right, we got some questions for kind of each of you because. You both were like perfect fits for this episode in general because you have like such strong relationships to animals and dogs in particular. I don't know any stronger no. animal dog lovers yeah. in my life. Yeah, I have Autumn and she's my cat girl. So, yeah. But... Our family parties are eight dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and five people. God, you're outnumbered. Exactly. Ha- happy to be your dog girls. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, our representatives. <laughs> 
So, Becca, I know you've been making your dog food for, like, a while now, I feel like. And, I mean, like, how long has it been that you've been doing that process, I guess? Since 2018. So, what is that, like, four years? Yeah, Yeah. four years. Solid. And what kind of made you want to make that change? Yeah. Um, First of all, I think this is a weird conversation because (laughs) a lot of people will choose to... a lot of people choose to feed what they can. Every uh, Everyone yeah. feeds animals what yeah. they can. So I recognize it's a privilege for me to be able to afford mm-hmm. and cook my and have the time to cook my dog's food. Mm-hmm. However, um, in 2018, my dog was diagnosed with cancer. And so, like, mm-hmm. that brought me into this rabbit hole of health for yeah. animals. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, read a lot of books. Did too much online research. <laughs> um <laughs> And from that, just found that, like, the kibble industry is not great. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, like, the McDonald's or the Burger Kings of, like, feeding animals. So oh, it's, like, God. quick food, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, from that research, decided to try to start home cooking for Marley, who had cancer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bill just lucked out because <laughs> that's what he got, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, through that research, you know, blah, blah, blah all of these years later I've like adapted and made it what it is now. Um, but they, my dogs now eat home cooked food and that is how it's going to be. Totally. <laughs> what does cooking home cooked food entail? Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, the home cooked dog food I make is like a mixture of it's. So a lot of people will be like, you feed your dogs uh, human food. And I'm like, no, I feed my dogs fresh food. Mm-hmm. Fresh yeah. food is fresh meats, fresh, fresh vegetables, like quinoa is what I use, but any sort of carbs, sweet mm-hmm. potatoes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then supplement it with anything that they need. Like, for the record, not everyone should just go randomly cook their dog's food. Yeah. It, they do have a different um, digestive system than humans, so they need different nutrients and blah, blah, blah like all that. Yeah. But... Fresh food is always going to be superior to processed yeah. food in my mind. Absolutely. I mean, what you just said about it being like the McDonald's, like the fast food, and like I'm like, oh my god, what am I feeding my cat? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I should be cooking his, his meals. He's picky as hell, though. So it's like so this cool. horrible stat right now that I'm obsessed with dog health. So this is like, yeah, <laughs> as you guys know, I am obsessed. <laughs> so like again, like not everyone has to be this like whatever wing as yeah. I am, cat <laughs> wing or something. But, uh, <laughs> 60% of dogs will get cancer. And that's what? like 60% of dogs who are fed kibble. Yes. Yeah. That's so just that, a yeah. thing. Wow, that's, that's a, a statistic? statistic. Why are we not more concerned by yeah. that? That seems so, like that's No, insane. but the thing is like pe- we are concerned. I don't know if you guys see like ads on Instagram or whatever, but there are fresh food companies now. Like in, uh, huh. kibble is actually a newer industry like kibble the kibble <laughs> <laughs> What is it? They got a lot to say. You don't like the kibble, huh? Um, The kibble industry is like a newer industry. It wasn't, you know, like the big companies like Purina or IMS really Mm -hmm. weren't weren't making that much money until like the 60s or 70s. Prior to that, people were feeding their dogs table scraps, which was was very normal. Fresh Mm -hmm. food. Again, back to fresh food. So um, now the numbers are like staggering. And like, of course, my dog gets cancer, like the love of my life dog. Yeah. I'm like, what can I do? So, um, fresh food was an answer for me. And like from that, it became, well, I, I can't go back to kibble after I've read all these things. No, yeah. you know, how could you? This, this is my life now. Like, I, yeah. don't, I don't have this dog I specifically have to feed this anymore, but like, 
I can't go. I just yeah. You know. There's no going back. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your dog's favorite foods, or like what do they love the most? <laughs> um, I'm laughing because Randy's looking at me. Is <laughs> he talking about food? He's like, mom, he is... mom. <laughs> like Bill is Bill is particular. He's my oldest. He's the one who started on the fresh food with Marley. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill likes meat. Bill likes. Yeah. Bill loves broccoli. Yeah. Randomly, yeah. which is one of the healthiest foods for humans and dogs. So love that. Eat a lot of broccoli. High in calcium. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And protein. Uh, vegetable protein. Yeah. Um, love that. So Bill loves broccoli. Jarvis will eat like, I don't know. Jarvis will eat pretty much anything. Um, <laughs> but no, that's not okay. Jarvis will eat most things like you know carrots and they eat a lot of fruit. They love blueberries. I Aww, with my foster dogs. That's always like my foster dogs uh, like test if they've made it into our house if they'll eat blueberries or not. <laughs> um, blueberries also very healthy. But Randy is the funniest. Randy will literally eat anything like lettuce, which like I all of my other dogs won't eat. Kale yeah, no. raw raw kale. <laughs> Uh, well, like, Randy, okay. there's a good chance Randy may have been a street dog. He is named Randy Savage for a reason. Yes. Correct. He will literally <laughs> eat anything. Even like the, like... Does he eat shoes? No, no. <laughs> Only <laughs> edible things. Okay, okay, that's good. Well, like, you know, like, like romaine lettuce that you like break off the thing yeah. or... Uh, I can barely get my turtle to eat that. I'm like yeah. amazed. Celery, hard pass. Yeah. Celery is a pass for every single dog. <laughs> Randy so will not. Will yeah. eat it, yeah. Yeah, um, that's but the also, one thing Bingo would never eat. Our yeah, one dog, he, he ate everything. everything else. He'd eat like whole loaves of bread with the like packaging still. <laughs> He'd eat bananas in the peel like yeah. crazy. But Celery yeah. was a no. <laughs> Randy is really funny though, and actually Marley used to do this too. But they love raw asparagus. Oh. So like you know when you're popping raw asparagus, yeah, and it's them. like you know like you pop it off and whatever. Yeah. So um, Marley used to, but Randy loves when you pop that off and he's like give him a little bite of it yeah so much so that when i buy flowers he thinks that when i'm cutting that so so he'll eat the little day. flower stems like, i'm like bro that's not asparagus <laughs> not the same thing <laughs> so easy. how right. long does it typically take you to like prep all of your dog food is it a time-consuming process yeah, I think starting out, I mean, yeah, it's a learning curve for sure. Um, just like anything else. Um, I think, like, I, I read a lot of books, got, like, ran, like kind of made my own recipes from different, like, forums I was on on social media networks and reading all these books. But I eventually ended up um, buying some recipes from a pet nutritionist Ooh. who was really great. Um, just because, you know, like, you want... You, the thing about cooking for anyone is you want it to be a balanced meal. It has to be balanced. Yeah. Or else, yeah. You know, like you. Just causing aren't. other problems. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And that's the exact opposite of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So I ended up buying a couple of recipes. And in the beginning, it was a learning experience because you have to measure everything. Mm-hmm. And so she gave me like a 14 day batched recipe and a seven day batch recipe and like a single day. But um, so cooking for 14 days, you have to. I have a, like a kitchen scale that I measure everything on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, three years ago, I would say like, it takes me like three or four hours, but at this point I've done it so many times. I have two recipes. I kind of switch between, um, one is pork and one is Turkey and, and for the protein. And, uh, now I think for a month cooking for three dogs, it takes me like two hours. Well, so that's not, not that yeah, bad. That's yeah, not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. That's totally reasonable. It's also honestly, 
enough time to like go to the grocery store, get all the groceries. Yeah, I mean, like, you're already doing stuff in the kitchen for yourself, so it's like you're just prepping something else right. on the side. And I do it on else. like yeah. a weekend morning. I'll do it on like a Saturday morning from like 10 to like, usually I'm doing something else. So like 10 to 1, yeah. 3 hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not bad. And to be honest, the price is not bad. I know that like yeah. a lot of people think that it's probably expensive, it's fresh food. You know, I, I do buy, like, real meat from, like, a human-grade mm. store. Yeah. Um, but the price is not bad either. I think for for that month, I probably spend, like, $150 for three dogs. Again, yeah, three yeah dogs. totally. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the other bags, like, the, the nice stuff is expensive anyway. So it's, like, I'm already spending that money kind of already on my cat. So I'll yeah. just be, like, supplementing it with cats. Are, cats are wild, though. I, only, I know a little bit about cat nutrition yeah. just from, like, research. <laughs> But um, they they eat so much more. They need so much, so much more protein. Protein, yeah. yeah. Pretty much all yeah. eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so picky. I don't even know what I would cook for him. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look he, into like, it. Barely likes meat. No. Like fresh meat. I know when I try so to like, feed him stuff. It's very bizarre. I will say it's intimidating. Like I yeah. even though Beck is my sister, I feed my dog kibble 100 percent because yeah. it's intimidating to like. As I work with animals, I know like nutritional mm-hmm. needs, and it's intimidating to make sure that I'm filling the right nutrition yeah. and whatnot. Uh, for my dog's birthday every year, Becca does make Aww. a week's worth of home oh, cooking for her. Nice. <laughs> That's a good way to spoil. <laughs> she does yeah. really kibble, but like you said, she eats the expensive kibble. That's yeah. not... Yeah. No, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's probably cheaper to home cook. <laughs> I know. It honestly probably is, especially yeah. like if you're growing something like your own produce and things like that already and like supplementing that with buying some stuff, I feel like that would totally cut it already the cost. Yeah. yeah. And the, the ingredients in it, my dad asked me the other day because their dog is allergic to everything and he went to my vet who I love, love but it. they and also Aria goes there I was yeah. gonna say but uh <laughs> off my recommendation yeah <laughs> um I love them but um he asked me he's like you know like are the ingredients hard to find you know yeah. and like no what my dogs eat are pork is pork mm-hmm. sweet potatoes red cabbage kale broccoli mm. they eat uh lamb kidney because yeah that's the only kidney I can find. It could mm-hmm. be any animal. And quinoa. <laughs> Where do you and get like, the all the things that we the lamb eat? All things that, do you um, get it like from a butcher? No, I, you can go to a butcher. That's yeah. a great option. But I always say go to your local ethnic store. And they'll we, have we it. We have one around here that's like, a, there's a high Mexican population in mm-hmm. uh, Mundelein, but also um, there's a high European population. So yeah. it's it's like kind of everything in one store, but they have <laughs> literally any animal organ. Wow. Which is like kind of, you know, next it's really Gross, easy but, in the yeah. city to find different types yeah. of animal parts. Meat. Yeah, so that's the, that. That's the hardest thing to find and also costs like $2. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants those parts. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really easy. Uh, what other resources did you find that you really liked? You mentioned that one person. Yeah. Dr. Karen Becker is the best in terms, in my opinion, in terms of like holistic, um, full spectrum vet care. She understands that medicine is needed at some point but also like if you give your animal fresh food or supplements a lot of times you can take care of things you might need medication for mm-hmm. um so she's the best um but also i joined this and i've read a ton i've read a lot of books and like you get contradicting opinions Always. on all books because yeah. that is how things are totally but um <laughs> i also joined a facebook group about home cooking for dogs and that was really useful, again, just to get totally. more people's opinions. Um, and then the, the pet nutritionist I talked to. Yeah, solid. Also, I fully trust my vet and love my vet. And I 
like shopped around vets and you know like <laughs> it's hard to find someone you like oh man i love her yeah. I, I mean there's two of them i love them um but and like i tell it all the time but um <laughs> i also have a very personal relationship with my vet yeah yeah and so i think like that relationship you know making sure that they support it and they yeah because, understand. you know a lot of vets don't support home cooking so it's yeah Totally. Silence. It's important when you're looking for a freaking doctor for yourself. So yeah, like right. even like never, no one ever talks about nutrition enough when we're talking about your health, and it's like this. It's so, the main thing. Yeah, it's like what are you putting in your body? That should be a bigger conversation. And I think yeah. that was actually when I realized that was when Marley got sick because like all these doctors are like chemotherapy, chemotherapy. Oh, yeah. And I was, and I did a bunch of research, and I was like, okay, well I need to find like a. I have the oncologist, but I need mm-hmm. to find a like a vet to like help us, yeah. you know, deal with everything else. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she gave us like herbs and like yeah. and, like supplements to like help everything. Yeah, obviously, it totally. is what it is. But yeah. yeah, real worth it. Yes. All right. I, I feel like sorry. I feel like no. I just have a tangent that really fits, but it goes into it. sort of the Do aquarium it. world. Perfect. So, like, this whole what we need, what they need, doctors that are more holistic and not. Mm-hmm. I started seeing a psychiatrist maybe four years ago now. No, three years ago now. And mm-hmm. one of the first things that she did, which was great, she she was like, I believe in medicine, but she was super holistic, was she recommended a bunch of things. And for brain function, DHA and EPA, which mm-hmm. are fatty acids, are super, super important to just overall brain function. So before she prescribed me any medicine, she was like, why don't you just start taking DHA and EPA and see how it helps you? And yeah. you can just buy it at like a vitamin store, right? Totally. So what I do for work is I breed fish. Mm-hmm. One of the most important things for fish development is that there is enough DHA and EPA in their food sources. And by increasing those over time, which we have actively tried to do, we've seen greater success in how many survive greater success and less deformities and this and that and so it's crazy like the same things that she's saying yeah are, like to watch it right in front of you <laughs> are important to dogs are just as important to fish or just as important to us and so it's this whole idea that there are just these basic nutrients that can help us more so than maybe and the fact that you're yeah. like literally testing it and seeing yes. these like <laughs> these benefits yeah makes me more confident in my what i'm doing <laughs> yeah cool. thank you <laughs> so i'm like i'm actively at work working on these things i'm talking to this psychiatrist and she's like so these are the things i'm gonna have you buy and i'm like you know those might actually be important <laughs> yeah. it checks out that i i've heard of those oh, and actually, just actually animals vertebrates need those so okay cool uh, sounds good so i'm just gonna take all your recommendations that you got from your psychiatrist now to apply to my life it was really great because she did she took my blood work and she was like let's get you your blood work as good as we can first yeah. and then see what medicine you want on top I, of it i honestly like a That's holistic so approach is it's so hard to find enough doctors that are going at it from that angle that like well yeah. and like i did also get prescribed medicine for her. she wasn't yeah. like medicine is wrong or whatever yeah. so yeah. it was this nice this balance yeah, yeah. And i think let's that, make sure you need it first actually, i think though. that's called being like a full spectrum doctor or in the vet world i think it's called a yeah full spectrum vet yeah <laughs> but it so just shows like, how important eastern medicine yeah yeah. yeah it just shows how important our like food intake is to us yeah. so oh, like 100%. what food and supplements we can give ourselves for the best health possible yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. totally well, I'm glad you just started to take the reins here because we're about to just focus in on you with some questions right Sorry, now. I just felt very connected. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> what are some oh, of God. your favorite animals to feed? Because I know you get to like interact with a lot of different animals at the aquarium. I will. Yeah. 
I didn't finish one for sure. Um, okay, fine. I'll have one. <laughs> it's really <there>. good. <laughs> what are some of my favorite animals to feed? Um, so I think that the hard part of that is my job has changed so much over time. So most of what I do is baby fish. Yeah. Okay. But you have like different teams within the aquarium. So everyone kind of have. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So we have all different sorts That's of cool. areas. We have some people that work with saltwater, some people that work with freshwater, some people that work with larger animals and some people that work with smaller animals. So I work with mostly tiny, tiny baby Aww. fish. Um, but their mouths are microscopic. <laughs> so I spend a lot of my time, like probably 60% of my job is actually just working on raising the food for those baby fish. Crazy. So that is the area I work in. So we're growing a lot, a lot of plankton, zooplankton. Yeah. So one of my favorite things is figuring out what that first food item is for some of these species that we're working with. So if we don't have the right size food, then they don't get that, don't yeah. get that first feed. So watching literally these like <laughs> 0.4 millimeter animals <laughs> seeing if they do some striking behavior and seeing if we can see food in their guts is like something that you know that is really wild <laughs> it's not something that i did until the last like two years yeah. but it's something that is so precise and figuring it out it's it's not so much like fun like oh when you feed this all these burbot, they come jumping and running yeah. and they love it. It's like, we have to figure it out. And once you get that first feed, pretty much you can raise a species. So like that first step That's is like cool. super is exciting. Cool. Like if you can, if you can get the eggs, if you can hatch them and if you can get them on their first feed, like you're pretty much able to raise them. <laughs> so favorite animals to feed. So in all of our habitats, we have a bunch of different animals. And in some of our habitats, we have very cryptic animals that don't really come out. Guests don't ever see them. They don't even know that they exist. <laughs> Those um, aquariums where you're looking in there and you're like, you can't see anything. Or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep moving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just move on by. <laughs> so there's an animal called a pistol shrimp that just hangs out in tiny little caverns that fish live in, gobies live in. Okay. And I have a pistol shrimp in one of my habitats. And I did not know that this pistol shrimp, I wasn't ever sure how well it was doing, except it would molt and it would throw its shell out. So occasionally, oh. like once every two he's months, alive. I would see a shell and I would say, oh, he's alive. He's doing well. He's growing. Things are going great. Well, I have figured out his little cavern and I figured out the little hole of the cavern. So now twice a week, I'll put a little piece of meat, whether it's fish or clam or shrimp, and I'll close the door and I'll ever so delicately look and I will see him scurry up and grab it and return to his home. And literally none of my coworkers know he exists. Like nobody ever would hand feed him besides me. Me and this shrimp have a relationship. And my boyfriend actually took one of his molts and put it in resin in a coaster for me. So I have a little coaster of his molt. That's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. So that's my favorite animal to feed. <laughs> what prepared you for this job? I feel like that's like <laughs> nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. How do you have the knowledge to feed all these different animals and do breeding for all these fish? Like, yeah. that I seems would... like so much responsibility and knowledge to have. So I often have that feeling. I am like, I am 20 years old. I am a child. I'm still yeah. going to concerts and showing up to work hungover, but apparently that's not the truth. Um, You're keeping animals alive. I would say yeah. 100% of my job skills I learned at my job yeah. so it's just one of those things that unless you're doing it you're not you gonna know. yeah you're not gonna learn um 
in a lot of trial and error. One of the cool things about the field that I'm working in is it's yeah. brand new. So yeah. not only do I not know, but nobody knows. So yeah. like, it's really... Like, try it out. You yeah, think it'll we're, work? We're trying new things every fun. day. Yeah. That is really I'm fun. A, I've, I took a bunch of personality tests and career life tests and yeah. these things that tell you what you should do. And one of the things that makes me feel fulfilled is problem solving. And because it's such a new field, like every single day is problem solving. Totally. It is, it's a lot of failure, mm-hmm. yeah. but that leads to a lot of problem solving. So that's exciting. Totally. Well, like, like finding the right food to feed this tiny, tiny mouth. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> problem for the day. Did you always think that you were going to be doing this? Was this what you dreamed as a child? Because I had dreams of being a marine biologist, but I went to the Shedd Aquarium in, in like sixth grade and did a program over the summer, and I was like, the ocean is terrifying. Yeah, like, we know very you. little. Well, I often I I laugh about it because I like I love nature uh, in in the aquarium yeah. but like uh out in the wild yeah. is a little intimidating exactly. and you won't find me camping you will not find me camping really? like so bug when we are scuba diving you're like reaching in and grabbing oh yeah them. like you love yeah okay okay, okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> so I like, land I like is not cool but i like ocean. the reach yeah because they're the things in the land the fish are all out they're all out there you're seeing them they're they're not yeah. hiding from you in the, in the forest, you don't know what's there. There's things lurking. There are even more things lurking yes. in the ocean. There's like 100%. scary caves. No, I'm out. They're, no, the sharks are like out and about. They're like, I'm here and I'm scary. You're but very I'm not confident. About. There's eels it. at every corner. Every corner. <laughs> that is true. Eels are pretty scary. <laughs> I don't work with any eels. <laughs> is there anything that you could be like, no, I don't want to work with this animal? Uh, I don't trust this animal. <laughs> I'd rather not say. <laughs> but yeah, maybe certain things. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, hilarious. Is there any animals in the aquarium that you have to have, like, special training for? Or as long as you have, like... There's a lot of animals that, like, you get trained for, but nothing, like, signed off, like, legally gotcha. special training for. But, like, we have, like, an anaconda. You Like, I couldn't just walk into the anaconda oh. habitat. Like, they that's wouldn't... Good. I don't have access to that. Gotta take a before that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, if you're like, I want to go hang out with an otter right now, you could just be like... Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> just dang it. Just gauge it. No, first of all, you my otter hookup. Um, yeah, <laughs> Again, not on the record, but otters could fuck you up. Really? Nobody, what? yeah, they will, of all the things, they will tear you apart with those of claws. Of all the things, really? and you'd be afraid of otters. Yeah, a dolphin or a whale, what are they going to do? Otter on land and sea, they will... Dolphins rape people. This yeah, but... Is a big don't even get point. me started. Yeah, otters will just, your face gone. Really? Wow. Oh, wow, dark side really of otters. shattering a lot of dreams for me. Yeah, this is life-changing. They're scary. <laughs> also, they're like feisty. They're like you know, they're they they're nimble. Feisty. Yeah, they're very nimble. They got those hands, those little hands. It's like a raccoon, basically. Okay, but again, yeah. that's not on the sea record. Raccoon. Don't tell people that I think otters are fucking scary. <laughs> How am I gonna cut this? This is gold. <laughs> they're cute though. They are, they are. so cute. I'll it's okay. Whenever I see anything from like an aquarium, it's always like some cute otter video, and I'm like, oh. yeah, they get me every time. Playing with those dang stones. I know. They gave someone some like muscles at some other zoo recently, and they were like trying to like figure out how to open them, and one had just had like a pile of them on his stomach. Yeah, they have they have the pouches that they like just store it in, and they store a bunch of it because like when they're with the trainers, they know that more food is coming, so they know that that's like an opportunity. So they're waiting, and they're like, okay, give me more. And so like in that moment, they like put their. I have not. I have not right now. I haven't got one. And then they run away, and they're like, oh, I'll eat my ten. <laughs> Smart bastards. Yeah, they're very cute. <laughs> if you guys had a spirit animal, what would it be? Do you have one? <laughs> this is a pop quiz question that was not on the list, but it just made me think of it. <laughs> it's a good one. <clears throat> I think 
I love foxes, and Ooh. I think that I would be a fox. I'm like, I can see that. I'm like, I you know, totally like cute from afar, kind of awkward up close. <laughs> like, you know, I like my pack, but I'm really shy at the same time. Yes. In the canine family, but actually also in the cat family. Yeah, um, bridging worlds. Yeah, I think a fox. I love that. I think I always. I, like, I just have an answer for the aquarium of what I'd want to be, so it's probably not what I would actually be. But frogfish are super cool. I freaking love frogfish. Yes. They're always my favorite thing to see. Because they so always look grumpy. You yes. can hardly see them, and they eat, like, one big meal every three days. That's and then me. they do nothing. They, like, eat a fish the size of them, and then they just chill. And things swim by. They, like, they don't have predators because nobody can see them, so they just literally, like, sit there. <laughs> And then eat every once in a while, and then I go back to sitting there, and then eat every once in a while, and like so, that is what I would want to be, like just a little and a little grumpy looking all the time. I have, you know, people say people have RBI, yeah, resting bitch face. I have resting friendly face. I have resting just please approach me face, which is even worse. It's one hundred percent worse. You're asking for conversations you actually don't want to have. So if I could be a frog fish and look a little grumpy all the time, that'd be better. I mean, I shouldn't say that it's great. People love coming up and saying hi, but yeah. I mean, there's a time to play. Bringing it right back around, I forgot I had this in my pocket, but this is a chapstick Tito's donated to one cell at a time. A Tito's chapstick. (laughs) She's got it all, please. It's not Tito's flavored, though, for the record. Okay, I was like, that's good. That's good. You don't want vodka just all over your lips. Vodka breath. No, officer, it's my chapstick. I swear. It's my Tito's chapstick. That's how much I love Tito's. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the questions we had. That's a wrap. Oh, yeah. We just wanted to give a big thank you to Becca and Rachel for talking with us and allowing us to record our conversation. We are eternally grateful for our wonderful friends who are so passionate about caring for their animals and whose family reminds us so much of our own. Mm, Ain't that the truth? Mm And we also want to give a very special cheers to all the pets that have found homes during the pandemic and to spoiling our fur fur babies whenever we can, every moment we get. (laughs) There are plenty of pets, though, that need homes and places that are looking for volunteers. So definitely get out there. Please check out our link tree for some of those resources. Definitely. And a special shout out to my good friend, Autumn, who is doing the good cat lord's work, nurturing kitties at Treehouse Humane Society on the north side. We need more like you. Last kitten season. And you think that's a good thing, but it means there's a lot of kittens and they need homes and they need help. So, mm-hmm. shout out to Berg, the cutest little Yeah. Kid. Meow. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.